two, one. Brian Callen, yes, terrorist a, survivor, I, and, and wearing a sky blue shirt. Please, if I call you terrorist survivor, how much hate do you think I'll get? It seems like <laughs> a, a nice green light for people to get upset for no reason. Well, the, you know, I think that everybody wants to be. If you've not been affected by it, but you were there, you want somehow credit. Like I found myself, I was 800 feet exactly away from the blast because I was at the Gotham Comedy Club, 208. I think. West 23rd, and the bomb was at 133. It's 23rd. hard for me to think of how big 800 feet is. So, like, when it's I'm a half on a my, block, half a block. If you look it on, if you, if you that's actually, really close. Yeah, if you look it on your Google Maps, it's a half a block. And um, so, you were about to go on stage. I was about to go on stage, and I was with Jimmy Burke, the national treasure that is Jimmy Burke. I love Jimmy Burke. Of course, you do. Who doesn't? And we were talking in the front of the club. So I was literally right behind the front door. And in the Gotham Comedy Club, you have to walk all the way down and go into the, the room. So um, probably about 25 yards. So I'm literally on the street, but with the door in front of us. And we just hear, ba-boom! And that sickening sound where you know it's a bomb. You know it's not a manhole cover. You know what I mean? You just know. It's just too I don't loud. think I've ever heard a bomb. It's horrifying. And it's, it was 800 feet away. You heard a bomb before that? Well, you did um, when you were I a did kid, because right? I lived in Lebanon. Right, right. Yeah. So I, I had, uh, in fact, I remember going back to Lebanon. I can't remember the year, but they shot a missile. It was a test fire, a missile over our head on the beach. I will never forget this. Mm-hmm. It was so loud that we fell down on the ground. We were on the beach. It was so loud. And I don't know if that was because it was shot over our heads in the sonic boom, but we fell down. And I, it was either a shell or something, but I remember, and you don't see it, though. You don't see the... You know, the, the shell. Because it's going so fast? Yes. But what you do is you hear this insanely loud noise. And I remember looking around and everybody fell down and I fell down. I, you know, you, you, you know how um, it's not even like a fall down. You are, it's like you lose your balance and you're, you're reaching for something to hold on to, but then you, you go down to your hands and knees. Mm. It was a really strange thing. So, um, and I, I remember being a kid in Lebanon and seeing uh, a planes bomb a gas station from the balcony and then we had to go downstairs and sleep in the in the garage but um so you i I heard loud noises as a kid very loud noises but this it doesn't matter it doesn't matter i'm not a seasoned terrorism expert here uh you know uh, experiencer and i don't think anybody is and it certainly wasn't think about this this was a pressure cooker this was not a car bomb and that was 800 feet away, which is how many football fields? Well, explain, because it was the same sort of bomb they used in the Boston Marathon bombings a few right. years ago. Right. Same kind of thing. And I believe it was hooked up to a cell phone. Yeah. I believe that's how it was activated, yeah. through a cell phone. Yeah. And when that thing went off, you just knew it was a bomb. And the crazy thing, the sickening thing was, before that, they said, you got four minutes. He's coming off in four minutes. And I, I ended up... We were in the front there, and Jimmy and I were talking, and I said, no problem. And this bomb goes off, and I said to Jimmy, I go, that was a bomb. And he goes, yes, it was. And we go outside, and I see smoke, and it's quiet, you know, because there's this pause before the storm. sort of, And it just I saw smoke, and then you could smell this sort of um, like a burning thing. You know, it smelled like smoke um, quickly. And then, you, then instead of people running toward you and screaming, they were jogging, <laughs> New Yorkers. Like, ah, the fuck, man, come on, that's right, you know, and they were jogging. So your instinct is to go toward the blast, you know, to make sure everybody's okay. But the sick thing is, is I that thought, what your instinct is? Yeah, for me, because I thought there's no way people aren't injured or killed. It's right. horrifying. I got to be on stage, but, you know, this is obviously all-encompassing. 
And do you have any new material you're working on that you really I, had to? I, I did, get and that's why way. I had to let them spend for themselves. I had to let them. It's all Don't the worry about it, folks. It's just a bomb. Guys, hey, good guys. to be here. Good to be here tonight. Where are you from, sir? You look like Jersey. Well, what was really bizarre was that we were running toward. I said, Jim, we got to go back inside because I was afraid there was another bomb. Right. Because in Lebanon, they used to always set off a, an explosion. The old trick was to have people run toward another explosion, right? Oh. I know that from, you know, and my mother used to always say, be careful of that. That's um, a terrible piece of information to carry around your head when you're a child. It's also important. I know. It's yeah. horrible. It's horrifying it's because it's so maniacal. Because yeah. they're trying to injure people. And, and th- that's an old technique, right? So you, you create a small explosion, get people to run toward the bigger explosion. There's just something incredibly fucked up about people's ability to just attack and kill random people that they don't know. Well, that would be plan terrorism. That out. That, the terrorism is the idea is to spread fear and get people to behave differently. You're not going to win the war with big bombs, but you can get people to uh, change their routine, their life, and the way they think. And even, like I told you, when I was in the Chelsea market, Five hours before that, it was so crowded and it was so. I just great food. People were at a spice market in clothing and just beautiful people. And and I thought to myself, I'm going to get out of here because this feels like the place that I would bomb if I was a terrorist. And it was just a premonition. I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. My thinking is different because of the world we live in. So they've changed the way my inner geography. They changed the way I behave, the way I think. You know, regardless of whether I want to admit that or not, I found myself to be you know nervous in that in that. In, those, in that space. Do you think that you would have had that same feeling anyway if no bomb went off, or do you really think that that was a premonition? No. Is it one of those things where you sort of connect a feeling like... It's I mean, not I a premonition. Kinda, I don't believe in premonitions. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, maybe I do if you can read signals and stuff, but I, that wasn't the case for me. See, I just have, I have an active imagination. My take on that kind of stuff is maybe. Mm. You know, it's right. It, I don't want to say I don't know because there's not a goddamn way to measure it. There's no... But there are weird moments where people have weird thoughts. So but I was just wondering if you really... The, the, yes. The, well, the answer is there, there, there are two books that were had been. This has been studied. Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. He won a Nobel Prize for economics and behavioral economics. And then uh, in Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink, there are, and for that matter, Josh Waitzkin's book, um, uh, The Art of Learning, all three great books that I recommend to everybody because there are signals a human being, and soldiers talk about this when they've experienced a lot of IEDs. They get very good when their life depends on it, at reading signals, the stillness in the air, behavior that they can't explain, but why are those people acting a little bit differently? Why are the women not out? Why are the women not out? Why can't I see any women out? Why is it just men? Why are the windows being shut right now? They pick up on all these little signals. And in Blink and in Thinking Fast and Slow, there are are things we pick up on very quickly. We just have pattern recognition. There are other things that take a long time to think about, right? So a math problem like 48 times you know, 36 would take a long time. It's a slow process. And you can't do a lot else when you're doing that. But you can recognize if somebody's running at you screaming with their eyes open and their hands up that they're probably going to do something physical to you or something. You, we register these mm-hmm. things very quickly. The same goes for you know, any kind of uh, situation probably when something's about to happen – there may be a change in behavior. There may be, uh, this doesn't look right. Why does that road, why is that bump in that road? That wasn't there last time. Those kinds of things that mm. soldiers talk about. So for me, I think this was just simply the idea that I was closed in. Everything was really great. And I felt like I have coffee running through my body. I'm, I'm on a, a caffeine high. I did my yoga. I feel good. 
this is too good to be true. I'm going to turn around in case a bomb goes off and blows my head off. That, that's mm. more just paranoia. But, but in this case, after the bomb, I ran and I said to Jimmy, I said, come back inside. Come back inside. There could be a second bomb. And he said, yeah, you're right. And so we ran back inside and they go, you're on. And now I go, but there was a bomb. And they go, what? And I said, a bomb went off. And they go, well, you know, and the, the full house, sold out house. I, so I run on stage. And the real worry was my cousins were coming to see the show. And I thought that they were, you know, right there. So that's what I, so I had to kind of get myself together and do stand-up. And my heart was beating fast. And I, but it was more depression. It, wasn't, it was less the fear than more depression at the world we live in, that sound. So then I did stand-up and then halfway through, or three-quarters of the way through, an off-duty cop who works there walked on stage because he stopped the, 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 the soldiers that came in with the machine guns. He said, let me get them off stage. Don't, don't raid the comedy club, please. And, How bizarre. Yeah, so he walks on, literally walks on, and I turned, and I went, oh, no. I, I just said, oh, no, because I was confirmed. I knew something was bad, you know? And he said, he took the mic out of my hand. He said, sorry, folks, we have to get you out of here. Whoa. And then we left. It was, it, it was just depressing, man. Wow. I'm not a terrorism survivor, but I witnessed something. What did that feel like going on stage right after you knew that a bomb went off 800 feet away? You know, I asked Jimmy, who was there, I said, did it seem like I was nervous? He said, nope, you just went right into pro mode. You know, I've been doing it so long. Oof. And, and, I, and I, I, it was a full house, and I just said, you got to get it together. Wow. Go through. I, think, I think anybody who's been doing stand-up the way, as long as I have or you have, I, you know, we, we'd figure our way through. You know, mm. I probably was speaking faster. I could feel my heart beating. But I was also just, it's terrifying, man. When, you, when, when, when it's that real, you know, when, when, when you think about uh, the fact that people are walking through their lives. Life is hard, right? Life, just accomplishing shit, keeping yourself on the straight and narrow, flossing, fucking working out, uh, going I, for I your heard dreams. You don't have to floss anymore. There's <laughs> like a study. Oh, I heard for about real. that. Yeah, this is flossing's bullshit. Good, because I use a toothpick, because I'm a man. Good for you. And then. And then something, the random can happen, and all those plans go out the fucking window. Yeah, that's the strangest aspect of it, isn't it? The randomness of it. That yeah. all of a sudden these moments, unexpected, are introduced mm -hmm. into the world, and they change everything. You yeah. know, And we only see our, our side of it. Obviously, this is happening all over the world to varying degrees. Mm -hmm. We're just so insulated from this kind of stuff that when a random act like this does happen, it's so shocking. But if this was in, you know, the worst aspects or the worst parts of the world, they're probably experiencing these kinds of things on a daily basis. All the time. And not only that, if you look at the great artistic expressions, like look at Picasso. Take a look at what he lived through. Look at the world that those people lived through. Giacometti, who, you know, he made these sculptures of, um, it looks like people who have been through a holocaust, through, through a nuclear holocaust. They were very, very, you know, political commitment in the 20th century. It wasn't something you could not have, right? And, and they witnessed world wars and nuclear weaponry and all kinds of things. Probably influenza that killed 20 million people worldwide. All kinds of stuff. And it, they let it inform their, their artistic expression, inform their behavior. Look, you talk to World War II veterans. I've talked to old guys. I said, what was it like when you came back? They said, you're just more serious and there's more of an urgency to get things done. You don't have as much time. That makes sense. Yeah. And, and so the idea is to, whatever happens, whatever happens, you can react in a way that, in a, in a form of paralysis, or you can allow it to <laughs> kind of get you to think, I don't have a lot of time. 
You know? It's such a catch-22 in many ways because our society has never been safer. It's never been easier to exist in the West, at least in America. It's never been easier. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we have more health care. We have more access to information. There's less violent crime. There's less everything. Cars are safer. There's so much. But because of that, every little thing mm-hmm. gets blown out of proportion. That's right. Things like this as horrible as they are, are a wake-up call. I remember in 9-11, right after 9-11, like within the next year, we filmed Fear Factor in Manhattan, and everyone was so nice. Mm -hmm. Everyone was so nice. It was really fascinating. It's like everyone was happy, and they were so nice. Mm -hmm. And they were so happy when they saw cops and firemen. Firemen and cops were fucking superheroes for a good solid two years. Mm -hmm. Like they should be. If people had perspective, like, hey, there's a bunch of people that are there to save your life. You should be so thankful and happy they're there as opposed to, oh, my God, I saw that guy that hits the ball with the stick. He's amazing. Yeah. I was sweating when I was near him. Yes. We're fucking crazy, man. We are crazy. And as soft as things get, when they get softer, things get more and more out of perspective. Like that Matt LeBlanc story that we were talking Mm -hmm. about before the podcast. Folks, this is like the height. This is the height of the craziness of people getting upset at fucking nothing. I'm going to give you the height right now. Re- pull that pull that up because this is this is so this ridiculous. This is a classic example of people <clears throat> who lose perspective on what really matters. They just they, they don't have any real existential threats out there to their own lives and their way of life, so they have to find an enemy. And this is a classic example of being outraged at something you shouldn't be outraged by. Here's the article. It says, Matt LeBlanc was disgusting on the Emmy's red carpet and can leave showbiz now. Now, in this person's defense, the author, I have no idea if that is what she actually wrote as her actual title, because I know that editors change things. And, you know, they try to make things more inflammatory. And if it's so much easier to make something more inflammatory when it's you're an editor and you take someone's work and you add some stuff to it, you add a title to it. Who knows if that's what happened? Just to just to clarify, because that is a possibility. So this is what he says. Um, they're talking. He's on the red carpet with uh, the, the woman from Game of Thrones, Amelia Clark, who plays uh, Khaleesi. Right. Yeah. And uh, first of all, she says he's objectifying women. Because me, he's got disgusting characteristics. Let's just say his 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 actual statement. This, he goes, I saw the first season, then kind of fell out of touch with it. And I guess that's when she started getting naked. So I need to catch up. That's it. Yeah. That's all he said. Yeah. Something that's, I would say in a heartbeat. That's all he said. And he is a comedic actor. Mm-hmm. He's doing an interview. He's trying to be funny. That's right. He's just being silly. I mean, I think that was like the nicest, most polite way of being pervy I've ever read. But she called him, she called him, he shares some of his characters' <sighs> disgusting disgusting characteristics like objectifying women. Oh. So that's, that's, that's why, what is her name, the woman who said that? Uh, it's unbelievable. So her name is uh, Lauren Holter. I wonder, really, with people like this, you're right, I wonder w- what their historical perspective is on things. We've come a long fucking way, and I mean in women's rights. And, you know, Obama had a great speech that I listened to. Listen to it. it he, in 2016, he gave it to Howard College, which is a black college. And yes, yes, there are, there are race issues. But Obama said, yeah, I'm going to say some controversial things. We're all way better off. 
And oh, um, by the way, uh, so are race relations. When I graduated in 1983, it was a lot harder. And there are more opportunities. And to not give the, uh, that credit, to not give, to not suggest that we are better off, it doesn't mean, there, doesn't mean you get complacent and it doesn't mean there isn't work to do. But please understand that there, we have come a long way. And to not give credit for that is to not give credit to the foot soldiers um, that did all that work from 1983 until now, many of whom were people of color. So when you say, you know, it's things have never been worse, you're wrong. You don't have historical perspective. And I'll give you another perspective that New York Times had this interesting editorial. Uh, and whether this is true or not, but if you define war as countries going to war over territory resources with national armies, five out of six people on this globe are not living in countries at war. One in six are in conflict uh, war-torn um, areas. And those, those areas go from Nigeria to Pakistan. Now, uh, that's, that is a large part of the globe, primarily the Middle East, primarily the Muslim world. That area is in strife and at war, and there's a lot of tragedy. But please keep in mind, that's one in six people in the globe. Latin America in the 70s and the 80s, our lifetime, were military dictatorships Nicaragua was a communist dictator, not even a communist dictator, but it was a communist country where there was a, a huge insurgency, huge wars being fought, insurgencies, lots of death, uh, no democracy whatsoever. Latin America has a lot of problems, but let me tell you, at least they are run by civilian governments, as corrupt as they may be. That's big progress. So you've got to kind of measure, you've got to measure where progress has been made, give it credit and and then that, don't let that make you complacent because there's always work to do. But at least give it credit. Man. I completely agree with you, but I think you're giving her statement way too much credit. I agree. I think what she's I, I, doing. I just brought in Pakistan and Nigeria. I apologize. I mean, I think she's probably laughing that we're so ridiculous. We're studying what's obviously like uh, clickbait bullshit. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's you're right. She's looking to be outraged. She's got to write a story. This is a story. Here, I got something here. Let's run with it. Yeah. I mean, that's what a lot of what's going on with these internet sort of website stories. That's a yeah. lot of it is just... I just you, took the bait, didn't I? Well, there's a lot of fake ones. I mean, you've seen fake ones that are just completely fake to just uh, make up a story. They made up a story about um, me disarming some person at the comedy store, some person <laughs> with a gun. And I got a text from a buddy of mine who's a cop. And he's like, did you did you take out a, uh, a you know, a guy, congratulations, that's very uh, difficult to do. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking well, about? I had people ask me if you had actually killed a mountain lion with your bare hands. And I was like, absolutely. How much money do you think they could make for those fake stories? I mean, what are they, is there real money in that? Like a couple hundred bucks or something? Probably not. I wonder. Probably just a way of getting attention. But there's, there used to be, it used to be like The Onion. Like The Onion would say shit that was, you would read the headline, you go, aha. Right. And then you would read what you knew to be satire. You knew to be parody. You knew to be fake. It was funny. It was absurd. Now there's a bunch of websites that have taken what they've they've done mm-hmm. and made it way less obvious that they're trying to be funny. Yeah, it's just weird. But that, but I do think that we live in a time, and and there's probably kind of a blowback now. It's interesting, but we do live in a time where people are just way too sensitive, and it's and it's certain loudmouths in the media. I mean, when Alec Baldwin wrote an article saying, "I think I quit." And it was like he was leaving Hollywood. He, no, he's done so much for gay rights, and he's always been a really liberal guy. But he called a guy a cocksucker because the guy <laughs> ended up taking pictures of him and his wife. And, and, you know, and I guess they considered that to be homophobic. And he got just lambasted by, you know, fucking, you know, the, the sort of lunatic fringe. Yeah. But it was really bad. 
and it hurt his feelings. And he was like, you guys are pointing your guns at the wrong enemy. I'm not your enemy. I'm your advocate. But you're so you're so uh, caught up on your power trip. It's what happens to any group. Any like Greenpeace is a good example. The guy who used to run, be part of Greenpeace said, look, we got a lot of stuff done. But there were a lot of people that weren't willing to let it go because, and they needed a new cause and a new cause because they were addicted to the power. It wasn't so much about yes. saving the whales anymore. It was about the fact that they, they had a sense of identity mm-hmm. and they had power and they could really shake things up and cause good people who were involved in doing good work to have to stop and go, huh, what? Well, that's what yeah. a lot of people are doing by writing blogs, whether they realize it or not. That's what yeah. they're doing. You're trying to claim your own space by jumping in and trying to get a reaction. And in that case, that Matt LeBlanc ca- case, it's one of the most obvious, blatant, and bizarre. Well, like, if that really, if that captivates a moment of your time, other than laughing or not laughing, right. a moment. Right. First of all, let's break down what he's saying. He needs to catch up because uh, she started getting naked. Mm-hmm. Are we supposed to pretend that we don't like looking at her naked? Is, right. is that is so a man standing next to a woman who has been paid to be naked on a television show? Is he supposed to pretend that that's not an enjoyable thing to look at? How I, I get I get confused because if a woman is standing next to a man and says the exact same thing, I guarantee you, no one gives a fuck. Of course, and not. everyone might laugh if Amy Schumer said that next to uh, Brad Pitt. Well, what if he said this? What if he had said, I'm not going to watch it. Uh, uh, she takes her clothes off and it objectifies women and I, and I refuse to actually, I'm afraid I may enjoy it if I watch it. And so out of respect for her and her privacy, even though she's taken off her clothes and, uh, and it's an artistic ex- expression and a great TV show, I, I, I don't approve because I don't think women should take their clothes off. Now, now you're a pure, now you're puritanical. Do you really want to live in a world like that? Because I'll tell you something, there are a lot of countries... A lot of countries, like, for example, Saudi Arabia and a lot of other countries that are, you know, not not the not at the forefront of women's rights that would uh, would be outraged and wouldn't let you see that and would censor that. So what are we talking about here? What are we talking about? We're talking about a joke that objectifies women. Have you seen that Cosmo, the two comparisons of the Cosmo covers? One of them, it says why men who objectify women are the effing worst. And then in the next one. It's all about men's packages in bikinis. <laughs> really? It's just their cocks in bikinis. Oh, that's great. I mean, it is literally just an object. It's yeah. not even a full person. <laughs> You're just focusing on cocks in bikinis. That's great. Same magazine. But what, but what do you mean not, by objectify women? What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. Uh, Listen, I, I, I think women that are naked are beautiful. Well, objectifying, treating them as objects instead of people. Well, th- I'm not trying to start a relationship with her. I'm trying to look at her naked in a dragon movie. Yeah. You know, she rides dragons around. Right. She's a dragon lady. She's a, the mother, right? Yeah. Mother of dragons? Yeah. I'm trying to look at her naked. Is that okay? If you don't want me to look at her naked, how about you don't show it? I Here agree. it is. Oh, look at that. <laughs> well 30, done, by the way. 36 silver Olympic bulges that deserve gold, and it's all just dicks, just hogs in bikinis, this in men's awful. bikinis. This is awful. This is so silly. And look, <laughs> I'm and outraged. And the, but the other one confirmed dot dot men who objectify women are effing horrible. So it's a woman looking straight at the camera, like she's like, "Girl, you know it's true. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking tell you, and you know." And the other girl's gonna be like, "Fuck yeah, them pieces of shit, man." And look at the guy in the background. They couldn't have picked a douchier looking guy 
Well, he looks I'm pissed. Sure. He just looks pissed. Exactly. And, he's been, and by the way, he's got his. He, he's so beaten down, he's got a sheet over his head, the poor guy. How about he's got his clothes on, and so does she, and they're yeah. under the covers. This is a disaster of a relationship. Yep. It has nothing to do with men objectifying women. He, you, If he objectifies women, how the fuck did he trick you to the point where you're both with no clothes on, or yeah. with clothes on, under the covers? Yeah. What is going on here? What, see, you're, see, you're making poor choices as well. But, yeah. See, when I think about objectifying women, <laughs> I think about this. Like, I think about, uh, you know, because I, I think it's great. I've been to strip clubs. I've, I've paid money to watch girls uh, take their clothes off. Maybe I've even paid money to have sex with girls. I don't know, Joe. There's a lot of people listening, and I have children. Here's the point. Here's the point when I was younger. Um, but I think when I think of objectifying women, you know, because me, I, I'm, I'm a, you can call me a feminist in terms of, like, if you can do the job, I don't give a fuck what you look like. You know, um, but for me, objectifying women, I suppose, would be, well, she's got, uh, she's just good for banging. She's, that's just uh, three holes or two holes, depending on what you're into. Treating and, them as n- a non-person. Yeah, and then, and then of course, uh, dolling them up and not really um, allowing them to realize their potential. Uh, maybe supporting policies or thoughts that don't sort of... Um, Allow them to do that. I can understand how women have suffered from that and continue to. I, I get it. You know, Russia, and they, they always talk about what it's like to be a woman in Russia. And blah, blah, blah. I, I know that there are issues like that. But come on, man. Humor is really important, and including humor that objectifies women. It's fucking important. It's, it just makes it less of an issue, I think. It really does. Well, it completely depends upon what is the humor, what is the joke, what is the context. It's, there's a long, broad range yeah. of, of variables when you're talking about comedy material and that, quote-unquote, objectifies women. But that, a flippant, off-the-cuff, humorous remark at some mm-hmm. sort of a ridiculous little red carpet interview thing, you know those things. Those things are ridiculous. But will he have to apologize? Oh, God, I hope he doesn't. I so hope he I, doesn't, but he works. He's a working actor. He's not a comedian. Yeah. See, working actors are always subject to the will of people that are out there that are looking to hire people. Mm. You're always going to have to audition. You're always going to have to get approved. When Matt LeBlanc is up for things, there's probably a few other guys that are like really high-profile guys that are up for it, too. Right. And if one of them is involved in some sort of a scandal or some someone thinks that they're objectifying women and they're effing horrible, they should leave show business. If that catches any momentum, there's horrible things that people have done, right? Like admittedly horrible that they themselves just fell apart, like Kramer, right? Mm -hmm. Perfect example. Mm -hmm. That, That was a career killer. That killed that guy. Yep. Like from then on, he is not the same guy. Nope. There's, there's just, that was a, a, a monster whopper awful thing that went down. Which, so, which I'm more sympathetic to because if you made that mistake, if you if you did that, if you made that mistake, you better be ready for the consequences. That was offensive, right? I mean, I think he had an outburst, he had a moment, but you you can't have. It's like saying I had a moment and I punched that guy in the face, and then stomped him in the head, and he can't walk the same. Everybody has moments where you want to do certain things, but you got to pay the price for that. I th- also think now this is a complete complete uh, rumor, but this is what I had heard was that cocaine was involved. Mm. Now, if that's true, it may not have been. If it, if it wasn't, I apologize. Mm. Legal shit out of the way. If cocaine was involved, people that are on coke get ridiculously confident and they say ridiculous shit that just does not 
jive with everyone around them because the other people around them aren't on coke. They're not on coke in, especially if you're on coke, it seems like you're all about yourself. It seems like it becomes a very sort of a selfish, isolated little sort of environment protecting yeah, it, it, it you. It shouldn't make you a racist. Drug. No, well, <laughs> certainly, certainly that's you know not what I mean? I'm saying. Yeah. But I'm saying he thought he could get away with that. Uh, he thought he could talk like that. And yeah. who knows what they had said to him. I don't know. You know, the whole thing was him getting frustrated the fact that he's really just not a very good comic. Right. And he was getting heckled and they were saying, you're not funny. This isn't funny. Yeah. Th- th- when someone tells you you're not funny, and I've had it happen to me, I've had someone tell me I'm not funny when I was bombing, mm. and you agree with them. Exactly. Like, there's nothing you can do. You exactly. agree with them. And so I think what Kramer was trying to do is hurt their feelings. And that was how he thought he could hurt their feelings. I, I'm sure. I don't think that he's. I don't think he's uh, a racist. Like, I, I, if you said, Kramer, do you think that because people have more melanin in their skin, they should be, you know, blah blah blah? I don't think that's right. how he thinks. I, I, I don't think he's that dumb, and I don't think. But again, again, that that's a that's like the Mel Gibson thing too. Look, when you get drunk or you're on blow or whatever, <laughs> if, if you then decide that the Jews are the reason everything sucks and you shout shouting that to a Jewish cop, uh, or, or that, you know, you hope your girl gets, you know, uh, has, has, is forced to have sex with 19 black dudes, but using the N word. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I've never, look, you know, I've never really had those kinds of, this is kind of mean, man. It's also mm. kind of like it's also it's also what's the other word? Um, it's blatantly fucking racist speech. Well, you live in a world where you just can't say that shit, man. It's the words of a crazy person. Yes, because as time goes on and you become older and you meet more people, you realize there are a bunch of variables when it comes to people's behavior mm-hmm. and what they do. But those variables are usually based on culture, on economics, on the society that they live in the family they grew up with and you're going to meet people that you love that fill all of the blanks asian caucasian european you're going to meet people you love that are all in there because they're just extraordinary people Mm -hmm. and you're going to meet people that are fucking cunts Mm -hmm. and they're going to be in all those things too there's Mm -hmm. just no way around that folks and if you start siding on one gender or one race or one patch of dirt you're fucking missing the whole thing. Yeah. The whole thing is we are globally one super organism that does not have the ability yet to communicate in real time across the board with each other in, a, in a, an incredibly honest way. We can't really do that yet. You can speak a certain amount of languages if you're a fucking super wizard, and you can figure your way through a lot of countries if you know their cultures, but they're not necessarily going to understand ours unless they can read our fucking minds. We right. all speak too many different languages. We live in too many different places. We're so used to one way of life that anything, any variations, any breakups in that one way of life throws everything into a fucking tizzy yeah. and no one knows what to do about it. Whereas the rest of the world is experiencing all sorts of different strife. I was watching this show the other day called Uncharted. And this guy was, uh, I've, t- I've talked about this before, but it's just it was so harsh to watch. He, his name's Jim Shockey, and he goes to all these um, really remote villages and stays with the local people. And in this one, they were getting killed by crocodiles. Oh, yeah. These people I've were seen this. going to the river, and every time they would go to the river, they would have to set up these nets. And the crocodiles, they target people. Mm-hmm. So when a tar- crocodile starts targeting people, they have to go and shoot it. And everyone in the village was fucked up, man. Everyone in the village was losing, like, missing yeah, a limb. Yeah, every fucking third or fourth person had a giant bite taken out of them. Jeez. It's crazy. And they just live right next to this river and they survive off that river. Yeah. They, they live in these little huts and shit. 
And you're thinking, like, you are complaining about the wispiest joke. Yeah. It, may, it might not have been the best joke, but I would have laughed if I was there. Sure. If he said that, I would have sure. thought that was silly. Yeah. And the the fact that we're trying to pretend that this is some sort of an outrage and that this person Also, who is she defending? Who is she trying to defend here? What is she trying to do? It, it, that, that's the other thing. It's, well, it's more about her, those situations. Well, it's recreational outrage. It's a thing that people <laughs> are great. doing. It's a thing that people are that's doing today. That's a great... That's, I've never heard that. I love that expression. It's that's recreational what it is. outrage. It's recreational outrage. Yeah. They have decided to be outraged. If you're outraged at that, if that is really filling up your time, like, I am going to... Fuck this terror attack. I am not Islamophobic. I am not writing about the terrorist attack. I am going to write about Matt LeBlanc being a piece of shit. Yeah. He should leave now. Yeah. He's the problem. He's the He's worst. the problem. Here's when the a, bomb went off, I went, well, Matt LeBlanc is sexist. Here's the thing. Stop saying the worst. Everybody, everybody yeah. stop saying the worst because yeah. that is like that. There's no better symbol of our sheltered time than people saying the worst. I was reading this account of how uh, certain people were tortured where they used to skin them alive with mm. seashells. Ooh. They would take like an oyster shell and yeah. they would skin these people alive. They would tie them down and skin them alive with oyster shells. That's got to feel good. Yeah. So that's yeah. the worst. Yeah, that would be the worst. That's the worst. Not. I'm with you on that. I would have to say that that would be the worst. The worst. I think a good way, you know, another, <laughs> and I, here, here's a question really is, there's this tendency that we all have, right? So when this guy, you find this guy who fucking bombed people in Chelsea and you, uh, you, know, you, you want him to die or you want him to go to jail forever and I hope he suffers and all that. The, the, the way to look, there's another way to look at things which might be not only more helpful, but might lead us to better solutions. And I don't know if this is true, but there's a good way to look at human beings. We all have the same hardware. There's been a lot of science, a lot of work on this. You know, we have a lot of, har we, have, we basically have the same hardware. Um, if you look at the way human beings are, if you draw through lines, even with cultures that have been not very, not exposed to a lot, um, but there's been a lot of work done on, regardless if you're a Highlander in Papua New Guinea or you're a Northern European, you know, senator, uh, you know, a member of government, and you've been exposed to a lot. We recognize certain things. Um, uh, most cultures have a tradition of humorous insults. Uh, human beings, it seems, innately can tell the difference between joy and disgust um, and happy and sad. Uh, we have, we essentially have the same hardware. It's why you can't really look at someone's skin or someone's racial features and you know, realize what they're capable of. Well, what, could that guy be a scientist? Well, he's black. He couldn't be because there aren't a lot of science. You, you just can't do that. And we all know that. So really what it is, is software, culture, what you have been exposed to, your belief system, what you've been told is true, what you've been told is right, what you've been told is good versus evil. That is uh, essentially what motivates people to do good and bad things. You know, Freud said that um, man goes to war because he hates people. Well, or he, that he has a lot of aggression and hatred. Well, there are a lot of other scholars that say maybe not. In fact, men don't go to war out of hatred. They go to war out of love. They go to war because they love the country they are defending. They go to war under symbols and propaganda. They go to war under and for an idea that they are defending because men and countries define themselves along the lines, along certain lines, that they are, if you think about any man, we all have a line. We all have a line that we're willing to, at least in our mind, that we're willing to defend with our lives, probably at the front door of our house, 
if somebody's coming in to try to get to our kids, but certainly our country. And this country is very nationalistic. If you start talking about, you know, um, you know, Americans get very nationalistic if you start, you know, making fun of the flag. There it is. Look at that flag. So it's better sometimes to think to yourself, I wonder what kind of software went into this this guy's head, this guy who just did the bombings in New York. What kind of software was he exposed to? Obviously, it wasn't good software. And it might make us... I don't know if compassion is the word, but it might make us more understanding. And so if you understand your enemy or the enemy, which may not be people, but rather an ideology, maybe that's the best way to then fight it. I always try to look at perspective as like uh, a large creation that's made with little tiny Lego blocks. And Mm -hmm. with every life experience that I have, I try to add a few more Lego blocks and they might not change me radically, but over time, those Lego blocks can build and become a significant structure, something you can see and look at and measure. That's cool. And every time one of these things happens, I always try to think of, uh, there's a perspective that I had when, uh, when my kids started walking and talking to them and, and seeing them go from coming out of their mother's body to being a little person I could talk to. I started realizing, okay, it seems like my thought was always that people were static, that I meet, you know, Mike McGee, and he's 32 years old. Hey, Mike, how are you? Nice to meet you. This is Mike McGee. He's 32. Mike was a baby at one point in time. He came out of his mother's body, a helpless little thing like all of us did, and then through all sorts of weirdness, life experiences that are completely random and people that probably were totally unqualified teaching them things and growing up with a bunch of other kids that were similar in a lot of ways, similarly getting fucked up by their parents and their upbringing and their religion and their, their uh, a million different variables, right? And then there's all these alpha chimpanzee jockeying positional things that go on in these relationships with kids and kids bully kids and sometimes those kids that are bullied it ruins them for the rest of their life and they just they're devastated for like literally to the grave from some shit that happened when they were 10 mm-hmm. so we're we're subject to so many different variables and so many different points of data entry like yeah. data can come at us in so many different ways was it physical data whether it's just reading the news and trying to understand like why would someone go to a nightclub in Orlando and just start shooting gay people mm-hmm. why would someone drive a truck in in France and just drive over those people. Why mm-hmm. would someone do that? Mm-hmm. Like what what is that was a baby at one t- point in time. Yeah. Something has led to that. And we have to look at all the things that influence us, all of them, whether it's behavioral things, whether it's uh, things that are were beaten into you by just life's hard lessons, and then a big one that nobody wants to discuss. Ideologies. Yeah. Yeah. Call them whatever you want. You want to call them religions? You want to call them cults? Call them whatever you want. Mm. But the bottom line is they're incredibly structured patterns of behavior that you are forced to follow that can be real dangerous if people don't follow them. And Mm. nobody wants to admit that. Nobody wants to admit that when you leave this pattern of behavior, you're supposed to be killed. No one wants to admit if you vary from this pattern of behavior and do no one any harm, like homosexuals, you're, you're to be killed. 
I mean, there's some really, cr- and you know, oh, this is, this Islamophobia on this show has got to stop. I'm scared of rats. I'm scared of a lot of dogs. Mm-hmm. Let me just tell you what I'm scared of. I'm scared of a lot of people. I'm scared of Wasps. Christians. Yeah. I'm, sc- I'm scared of uh, ex-cons. I'm scared of people. Guys in vans driving around. I'm scared of clowns. clowns. I'm scared of a lot of shit. So yeah. this, this idea of uh, being, having a phobia over uh you know a particular ideology or well, a particular having a phobia over pattern recognition too you 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 can pattern right re- you stay alive by being able to recognize patterns yeah and uh, it's you know. the, but the important aspect of it is and this is always what's important is that most people that are practicing that aren't hurting anybody mm-hmm. right most right. people that are practicing muslims aren't hurting anybody because there's so many of them if they were if there was a war between muslims and christians and it was just spilling out into the streets every day mm. jesus christ it'd be a bloodbath everywhere yeah. everywhere One in the billion, world 300 million muslims i think it would right. be insane so the, the 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 problem is not a particular ideology in much in as much as it's a particular strain of the ideology That's whether right. it's a christian that goes to an abortion clinic with a fucking high-powered rifle and starts taking people yeah. out Whatever it is. Somebody who has the, thinks they have the truth yes. the, with a capital T, which is called a fundamentalist. And we're all fundamentalists. You know, We all have aspects of our personalities and our belief systems that are fundamentalists. If you ask me about sugar, I'll wax poetic. I'll tell you all about the evils of sugar, and I really believe I'm right. Now, I have a lot of data and science behind me, but... I, I, you know, I have all kinds of ideas about why sugar's bad and fat and protein's good for you because, you know, I've lived it and I've done it and I'm sure you have your own point of view. I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich today. And it was damn good and With it was milk. damn good and you didn't hurt anybody, including you probably didn't hurt yourself. So Took sometimes, because you're not a fundamentalist. Cause but sometimes, every now and then. Thank you. Thank a you. A glass of milk. Ooh, it was good. But the, 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 <laughs> a little glass of milk. I hope it was raw milk. I hope it was raw because you're going to die. It wasn't, but I love raw milk. Yeah. Goat. Raw milk is the shit. I get the raw goat milk from Erewhon. And you go deep. You know, you can get, uh, hold hold on to your horses. And I think it's about $35. I've never bought it, but you can get camel milk. Whoa. Oh, yeah. What? Talk about the Middle East. The Bedouin, famed for their sexual prowess, lived on camel milk. You mean milk like as in titty milk or as sucking in, cocks? No, no, no. I'm talking about, <laughs> God damn it. No, I mean titty milk. Camel I mean, milk, right? It's wink, wink. No, man. I'm not talking about <laughs> dick milk. I'm talking about... I'm not talking about guy cream, you fuck. I'm talking about fucking camel milk from their udders. In uh, Australia, they hunt camels. Mm-hmm. And they, they have no, like, Australia is kind of a crazy place. And Australia and New Zealand are very similar in that they don't really have any natural predators. Because right. they, were, they were separated from the rest of the planet when that whole yeah. Pangea thing happened. Yeah, yeah. So all they have is, like, they have crocodiles, but crocodiles are, for the most part, they only get things that are really stupid. They get things that are, that are forced to go through rivers. That's what they get. Yeah. They get things that are too close to the water. Guys are fishing in wasting yeah. water. But yeah. they have so many animals that crocodiles are just not going to get, like kangaroos. They're not going to kill all the kangaroos. It's just not going to happen. Right. You know, the, so they have to bring in people to kill camels. That's crazy. They have to bring in people to kill a lot of their so animals. So camels are indigenous to Australia, or were no, they brought no, there? No, they were brought there. Oh. Here's what's crazy, man. All the animals were brought there. They hmm. tried to turn Australia and New Zealand into some incredible hunting destination for old schooly rich dudes in like the 1800s. Really? Yeah, they totally violated the, all the laws of ecosystem. I didn't know that. Yeah, because they brought these animals over, and they didn't bring over companion predators. 
So yeah. you have wild stags where they've never had any predator. And they're and giant. They're just giant, and they're roaming through the woods. And you know how to take care of them? They fly overhead with helicopters and gun them down and let them rot. Really? Yeah, they have to control the population. They literally sometimes are forced with some of these animals to gun them down and just leave them there get the to meat. rot. It's delicious meat. They don't have a problem with meat. They have a surplus of meat. You know, most of the venison that we get is from New Zealand. Right. When you get elk, it's from yeah. New Zealand. And yeah. they brag about it. New Zealand elk filet. Yes, yes. You know, like, we, Colorado's right there. I know. You know you, you're like, how is it? What the fuck is going on over there? I'll tell you what's going on over there. No mountain lions. Yeah. No bears. No right. wolves. No coyotes. And no people. You put a couple of families of wolves out there. Wolves will just Ooh, kill the shit out of wait. everything and they leave it. Kill the shit out of everything. It's like, hey, let's have some fun today. There was an interesting story that I posted um, a couple of days ago that I read on um, one of the, um, I think, uh, uh, one of the uh, outdoorsy type websites. But it was about a guy talking about how his dog got killed by wolves and that he wasn't mad at the wolves. He found his dog's head. He couldn't find the dog. And she was like 18 years old, German Shepherd. And he went walking, mm. trying to find her, and then found her head. And it was like, oh, my God, who did that? Damn. Why would anybody do that? He thought it was a person, like some crazy serial killer. No. And then he realized as he got further on, a lot of evidence of a wolf attack. <sighs> if you ever seen uh, what a wolf does, we, I, we, we came upon um, a wolf calf that had been uh, killed. Not a wolf calf, a uh, moose calf, rather, oh, that had been killed by wolves in... Um, in Canada mm. when I was there about a year and a half ago. It was actually it's two years ago now. Um, and it was really weird because I didn't expect to see all the hair. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course. They'd have to, like, get rid of the hair. Yeah, like, they don't so eat that, the hair, I guess. Well, they, they spit it up and they chew it up. But it was – I always just thought, like, when you would find a carcass, that it would be just, like, torn apart. But yeah. it's not just torn apart. Like, hair is everywhere. Yeah. It's like – it's all like a over bomb, the ground. A hair bomb, yeah. Yeah. It's, did you see – I have that picture up there. See if you can find it. The moose calf killed by uh, wolves. Yeah, I've seen that. Have you seen that in the, in the wild? Yeah. Where well, did you, you see, see hair everywhere? Um, I can't remember. I saw well, I saw it was something in Topanga Canyon, actually, um, where a coyote gets a hold of a, um, a rabbit. Ooh. And there was, a, right in Topanga, there was a deer that had been killed by a mountain lion. Whoa. And, uh, yeah, just bones. and. Look at that. Look at all that hair. Yeah. It's like a like a blanket of hair. That's crazy. Like hay in the bottom of a farm or, so, or a barn or something. But look, they had chewed all the meat off the face, everything. Amazing. It's from uh, ni- it's from 96 weeks ago. It's wow. Nuts. Look at that fucking picture. That is crazy. We found that because of crows. That's it was, nuts, crows really? were Yeah, we were walking down this road and these crows started circling overhead and uh, my friend Mike Hawkridge... He's like, let's go see what they're uh, squawking about. So you don't want to walk with your dog on trails then in wolf territory? Well, you know what, man? Wolves, for the most part, will avoid people. Yeah. A dog usually means there's people. But if the dog gets crazy and goes chasing after them, gets away, they'll take that thing out. Yeah. And even if they're not even trying to eat it, they might take it out because it's a competing predator. Right. Like I'm, I'm reading this Dan Flores book um, called uh, Coyote America. Mm. And it's all about... I found out about him from Ranella's podcast. He was Ranella's... Um, uh, natural history professor, I think. I think he's uh, he's he's a, either a wildlife historian, or one of those. But his whole deal is um, studying the history of an animal in uh, a certain part of the world. This coyote book is fucking fascinating. Why? What, what does he talk about? First of all, they're all the same thing. Coyotes are wolves. Yeah, they're all wolves. So, like when people are talking about these coy wolves, those coy wolves were probably like. 
a red wolf or an eastern wolf fucked a coyote and that thing fucked a coyote. Wow. And they're all like like 20%. Really? Yeah, there's like 10% wolf and 20% wolf. There, there's not like a 50-50 thing going on. There's like all these crazy interbreeds. And the bottom line is they're all the same animal. All wolves the same animal. Not only that, all canines emanated in North America. How about this? All horses evolved in North America, including I they zebras. Came from the, I thought they came from the Asian steppes. I thought so, too. They all, they all made it over there millions of years ago from America. <clears throat> Here's the really fucked up thing. They don't know why they went extinct in America. Horses started in America, went extinct in America, thrived in other parts of the world, and were reintroduced to America. That's so weird. It's crazy. Yeah. And Can another... I show you the video of me being surrounded by coyotes? No. I'll show it to you after Where this. was that? Um, Can you well, send it to Jamie and he'll play it? Let me let me try to find it. Yeah, go um, on. But the the point being is that the, like there's this really nutty history that I had no idea about. All these animals, jackals in Africa, yeah. emanated yeah. from North America, started out as canines here. God, those fucking things spread everywhere. I've seen fox and uh, and uh, here in California when I was hiking. And uh, I've seen bobcat. I've seen fox in Colorado, but I've seen bobcats out here. But here's the the deal, the, the really crazy thing about uh, coyotes versus uh, any of these other animals. Because of the fact that gray wolves were like their competitors, they're the bigger dog, they used to kill them. They developed all these different methods of staying alive. And one of them is when they scream out, you know, that, ah, yeah. that's a roll call. That's what they're doing. They're really? making a roll call. Yeah. Because some, some shit's gone down, maybe they've killed something. Damn. You want to make sure everybody's around. Yeah. And when someone's missing... When someone doesn't respond and goes missing, the female produces more pups in her litter. Significantly God. more. Yeah. There's That's some sort of a biological effect when one goes missing. And she can go from four, if it's a healthy population, to like 16. So here's, here's what, how they, one of the ways that they know that this is a fact, that these wolves uh, are capable of doing this, is that when they introduced wolves to Yellowstone, Wolves hadn't been in Yellowstone since they eradicated them, right? Mm -hmm. So these people came across North America, killed all these wolves. And the way they would do it is through using their system of uh, communicating and using their, um, the fact that they're, they're these tight-knit groups and these packs and their families, and they stick together. So they would kill one wolf, rub its scent all over a carcass, inject the carcass of a horse. They would shoot a horse, inject the horse with strychnine. So that way they're killing two birds at one stone. Right. They were getting rid of the wild horses, which had become a real problem. Yep. And they are still a problem today. Like they're Wild kill horses? They kill wild horses in America all the time. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Jesus. Dude, it's nuts. And the fact that there's thousands, tens of thousands of wild horses in North America right now, to the point where- Tens of thousands tens of, of wild thousands. horses in America. There are people that are advocating for the hunting season of wild horses. Unreal. Yeah. That's a Pe lot of meat. It's a lot of meat. It's like an elk. Yeah. They're and it's funny bigger. because if you'd shot, uh, there'd be a great deal of protest probably. Because oh, yeah. we know horses, we ride them. It's like dogs, man. Yeah. Yeah. But these animals all started here. It's really bizarre. That is so strange. There, this uh, he gets into on Ronella's podcast the mass extinctions, mm -hmm. uh, like that occurred somewhere in the range of the last ice age and maybe sometime even before that. Some of them, and how how little they know about what killed them all. God. And there's all the speculation. Well, the, what I thought was interesting people. was that the, the there's speculation that when the buffalo, you know, started to go extinct, they had already started. Well, uh, apparently. The Native Americans that were on horseback and were riding and would follow the buffalo, 
were killing they weren't like that sustainable with their practices yes well this is when they started hunting with rifles on oh, horseback okay. well, with rifles okay. yeah so this all is right. all dan flores this is he okay. he advocates the the possibility mm-hmm. not advocates but he um brings up the possibility that they could have possibly extirpated those animals from their their areas just based on rifles and horsebacks without the market meat farm well, they're the market, human beings. Market yeah. hunting. Yeah. When when they started market hunting, that's when everything went fucked up. Because mm-hmm. they would kill apparently thousands and thousands of buffaloes and just cut the tongues out. Really? Yep. And Why? Because ju- the tongues were worth money. People like to eat buffalo tongues. It's that's like a delicacy. The one, I will not eat brain or tongue. I can't find my coyote stuff. I'm sorry. That's all right. Don't uh, worry I'll about it. Let's put it down. I can't find. I I can't eat tongue or brain. I'm down for either. Those I, are the I two like things. Tongue. Really. <clears throat> you yeah, eat I like tongue? It. I eat organs. I don't eat organs either. I'm not into you kidney. Eat, you ate liver. I, I'll eat liver. But even liver, I eat because, you know, I'm there and I'm like, oh, we're men. Yeah. yeah. Let's eat liver. Yeah. But overall, fuck yeah. off. Fuck off with your organs. Mm, I'll eat like heart. It. Heart's not bad. That roe deer I killed yeah. in uh, in London, in England. Um, Better not be shooting things in London. Yeah, it was ridiculous. ridiculous. It was ridiculous. But he's got my friend has so much property, he has to kill twenty one deer. He has to kill twenty one deer on his property every year. Wow, uh, that's how rich he is. Yeah, and uh, so Hashtag we ate baller. it. Yeah, <laughs> we ate it, and it was the crunchiest, and it made me sick. And the warden said, "Hey, that's a roe deer. You got to hang that for three weeks. Did you just skin it, cut it up, and eat it with a good glass of wine?" I was like, "Yeah." He goes. No, no, not with that kind of meat. What's wrong with the meat? It's, and I'm not exaggerating, it's crunchy like, 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 um, like the way you would, if you just cut it up and put it in a plant and fry it with butter, it it crunches almost like a carrot. How about that? Yeah. That's how hard the meat is. What? Uh Uh-huh. That's why you got to hang it for three weeks and let it break down. You cannot eat that deer meat. Like that, it's I a roe deer. I've even heard of that before. Well, I uh, I would imagine the liver that tastes like that, where it crunches, and the same thing with this. And I'm talking about the muscle meat, the That's muscle so meat. We weird. both got sick. <laughs> I was I wasn't right for three days. Really? My buddy wasn't right for a week, and uh, the game warden was like, "You gotta hang that. That's a roe deer. You gotta hang that." Somebody I'm sure knows about this, but what I, a bizarre I practice know. hanging meat is. Oh yeah, like three waiting weeks. Waiting for things to rot. Minimum of three weeks. I know a lot of guys who do that in their refrigerator. They do mm-hmm. their own version of uh, dry aging. Dry age. Yeah. Yeah. You take you're a steak. The meat rot. Yeah, you're putting it on like a flat tray with like a yeah a napkin underneath it. Fucking delicious, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking delicious. It's so weird when you go to the butcher. If you yeah. ever go to Whole Foods and you pass by the butcher, you can look in that window into that dry aging room mm-hmm. and you just look at rot. Yeah. Like my kids were like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, that is, um, that's rot. It's yeah. on, on the outside of the meat. They're going to cut that away. And yeah, that's what it looks well, look like. Look at cheese. Look at those Cheese photos. is just full of mold. And- cheese is full of mold, but it, it does. We don't identify with cheese. No. Cheese is some foreign substance. When you look at that steak, like you understand that that's supposed to be red, like meat. That's amazing. As it's it's a bizarre practice. Yeah, I'll eat this shit. Out Five of it. day dry. Look at it starting to shrivel up. God bless it. It's weird. Break down. Break it down. You fuck. It is weird, right? Mm-hmm. It's weird that people figured that out. Yeah. I didn't know that about roe deer. So Either they must be I. like super muscular or something. They're is just, that what it is? There's not a lot of meat and they're small and they're hard. It's not, you shoot it and you're not, you don't feel very good. It's like the size of a fucking, you know, 
like a mid-sized dog. <laughs> <laughs> ah, shit. I'm a loser. Like a collie? Yeah, like and collie. plus they're not really hunted, so I didn't know what was really going on. It was oh, nibbling no. away, and it wasn't, you know, I was like, oh, man. I had this I had this $15,000 uh, German uh, sniper rifle. It's called a Blauser, I think. Yeah, yeah, Blauser. Blazer, a blazer, yeah, and uh, and I had a, and he had, I was, I shot it standing up. I had a stand. You saw the video, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, listen, it wasn't very far away. From Dude, me. there's a video. Apparently, this th- thing of roe deer, and it goes back to the same thing we were talking about with um, Australia not having any natural predators. These roe deer, they bring in snipers to take them out. Yeah, in England. Oh, and there's high speed video footage where they blow their heads off. They blow their heads off with plastic bullets. Oh, I didn't know they were plastic yeah, bullets. Yeah, these plastic bullets. Yeah. Because I, I, that, I guess that many plastic bullets just don't make it through there and hit anything else. Like once they hit that, it probably just explodes. Yeah. But the heads explode. Uh-huh. I mean, have you seen it? I, I'd like their to see eyes it again. Come out I know of it's head, fucked up. Like but... a child's toy. You know those child's toys that you squeeze and yeah. the eyes poke out of the head like yeah. that? They go blink, blink. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, exactly what uh, By the way, <laughs> what's sick is that I've not only seen it many times, I've thought about it, you know, as recently as a week ago. You have to think about it. It's yeah. just like a crazy thing that. Here's this deer moving around, and then here's its head exploding. Same thing would happen to a human. And then it yeah, does. And they have to do it, or those things will overpopulate. So mm-hmm. it's like either that, or do you, you, I'm sure you've seen that video because it was a really interesting video. How wolves change rivers. It was about <clears> the Yellowstone uh, wolves being reintroduced into Yellowstone, and how they've uh, changed the course of the rivers because they've killed deer, which allowed these plants to grow that didn't grow before, and changed the course of the river. Like, wow. yeah, really interesting stuff. Really interesting stuff about the reintroduction of wolves. But it's essentially what biologists were trying to do by reintroducing wolves was introduce a, a natural ecosystem because mm-hmm. this is how it's supposed to be there's not supposed to be like the hunters get upset because all of a sudden these uh, elk herds are devastated and there's like 50 percent of them but in many ways it's kind of like a selfish feeling because i although i i side with them and i understand what they're saying i don't want wolves to be a problem with people but they're they're a part of that whole thing they yeah. were there when the elk were there there's never elk without the wolf and when there are elk without the wolf you get what you got in new zealand you got people flying overhead with helicopters gunning them down sure. and just letting the meat there's rot. no top predator right and it's it also feels fucked up mm. like if you if you were over in new zealand we're going hunting and as we're going up the hill man what a beautiful countryside and look at all these animals and then we hear a helicopter fly overhead and one one ridge over they're just gunning down <laughs> stags <laughs> and we go over the top of the hill and this is like what we're you know we'd romanticize this trip we're gonna go right. there we're gonna live off the land right. we're gonna take a stag you thank you stag for giving me your life your your flesh will feed my f-. meanwhile there's a fucking helicopter just indiscriminately gunning them down because there's too many of them yeah. shit in the grass and they just let them rot up there man and it's I, a kind of thing there with my knife too. taking off a bunch of steak and that's what we'd be doing we'd camp right yeah but there. we'd be bummed out and we wouldn't i wouldn't shoot an animal i'd right. be like well i can't there's no way i can justify shooting an animal there's yeah. no way there's there's, there's meat here it's mm-hmm. just killed mm-hmm. we're done right so we're just going to chalk this off to an experience <laughs> this is just be a bit we talk about on stage <laughs> oh here's the oh, jesus the deer's head exploding so cute that's a very cute one it might be a fallen is it a button button oh, oh look at that poor thing. boing good lord that's, that's got a good a shot crazy shot yeah. that's with a plastic bullet yeah apparently they use plastic bullets because they're doing them in urban environments. God, God, so they're using so suppressors, plastic bullets, <clears throat> and blah, blah, take it out. Yeah. yeah. There's a place in Pennsylvania where they allow deer hunting all throughout the year. 
because there's so many mm-hmm. fucking deer and people set up tree stands in their backyards and they hire hunters or, or like advertise for hunters to come and shoot their deer. My mother in Connecticut, we had, she would plant flowers and she was obsessed with her flowers and the deer would come in and eat them. And my mother in very, walked into my room and said, listen to me, I'm going to buy you a crossbow and you're into this shooting stuff. I want you to kill the deer. And I said, okay, uh, it's very illegal though. And she says, I know. So you're going to have to be very careful. I said, I know, but I think it's super illegal. Like we can get in big trouble. Yeah. She said, that's not the point. I want you to kill the deer that are eating my flowers. I said, Did you do it? I didn't because I talked her out of it. I was like, listen, you got to put a fence over your fucking flowers because- They don't want to, I though. think we could get fined like $100,000 or something crazy for your flowers, and that's probably not worth it. Yeah, you can go to jail, but yeah. I know uh, a lady who's- I wasn't- I didn't know how to use a crossbow. I just- I didn't know. I was like, it'd be cool, but- That's the beautiful thing about crossbows. You don't have to The know. learning curve's super short. Yeah. Yeah, just as long as you're resting it on something, you don't punch the trigger. This is all you have to learn how to do with a crossbow. Ready? Mm, that's it. Just can you do that? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Don't jerk it. Don't yeah. jerk it because there's an instinct to jerk it. Just sure. go like this. Just go. Let it out gently. three quarters of the way. Gently. Squeeze. Gently. There you go. Yeah, all on the trigger. Sweet. Trigger just moves. The trigger doesn't even know what's going on. The tr- you just, just, just push, yeah. push, push, the re- push. The real reason I didn't do it, I remember, is not because I didn't think I could do it. It was more because I figured if I shot the deer with a crossbow or a bow and arrow, it would run. Mm-hmm. And I'd have to track it, and it would run in somebody else's yard, and then they'd find a deer that had a bow and arrow, and then they'd come and find it, they'd trace it back. To I them. heard a story about a rich lady in Malibu that may have done the exact same thing. She Is might have right? actually shot a fucking deer in her backyard she, with a crossbow. Really? Because it was eating her flowers. She may or may not have. Yeah, it may or may not have. It's one of those weird stories you're hearing from other moms, and you know, people talk, well, you know what Mary did. Ooh. Huh. She got a crossbow. It's good meat, though. Yeah. You know, I would yeah. do that if I could get away with it. It's good meat. Yeah, I love if you're going to eat it. It's it's a it's a good move. It's you know it goes to that age old problem that a lot of us have with the idea of death. I don't want anybody to kill me and eat me. Yeah. You know. So why why do I want to kill that animal and eat that animal? And we have this very strange relationship with these animals now, where we've sort of we've like we've contracted all of our food collection off to other people yeah and that's something that just didn't exist for most of human history Mm -hmm. so over the last x amount of years we've contracted all of our food acquisition i love the fact that i could just get this plastic thing of water i know and i know it's legit as long as i hear this listen hear that little snap yep that means nobody poisoned it it's fresh yeah it's sealed fresh from the factory, and yeah. I can have a nice glass of water. I don't have to go to a river. I don't have to pump. I don't have to have a well. It's, it's way better this way. But the problem is, by us not being in nature at all, by not interacting with animals at all, we've allowed these monsters to develop these slaughterhouses, these houses of horror, yeah. these f- factory farm mechanisms. Like We've really fucked up. We've gotten so big where these cities that don't make any food need so much food mm. on a daily basis that we've completely removed ourselves from the process of, of growing things, of, uh, of we've, like, it's one of the most important things about being a person is eating healthy food. Yeah. It's one of the most important things. If you don't have healthy food, you're not going to be healthy. It's really that simple. Right. Like if you eat fucking just peanut butter and jelly sandwiches like I did today, if you have that all day, every day for the rest of your life, you're going to have a shitty short fucking life. Yeah. You're not going to make it. There's not 
enough nutrients in that. But we don't we don't think about it, man. We're so busy with stocks and with marriage and with fucking. I want to get well. We're gonna thinking about uh, making uh, an addition on the house. You know, we're well, going to get that man cave. Yeah. You know, anytime it's easy, though. We've got, we have figured out a way to get a lot of protein in people's bodies at cheap, mm. for, for cheap. And it used to be that meat was something that countries, I remember in a lot of countries that I lived in, we uh, were like, for example, you would eat meat twice a year. The Bedouin, you know, who were very healthy people, they lived on dates and bread and, and goat, uh, camel milk and stuff. But they, the traditional indigenous people of Saudi Arabia, for example, they, they would eat meat twice three four times a year meat was a real delicacy it was very expensive you'd you'd have a goat but it was it was not easy to come by there was very little water and stuff like that so in a way we have we've given ourselves a food problem you know it's just the pendulum has we have people that eat obviously too much and then you have lobbying efforts to get as much corn syrup and things like that into people's bodies and you know it's 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 an interesting thing. I think you're right, though. We've gotten away from a lot of the stuff that just is easy to do to make yourself healthy. Like I, sleep and water? That's yeah, a big part of it. Those are giant. Sleep and water are giant. I just think we're so... I think we're way too removed from what I think is an essential aspect of life, the process of food acquisition. I think it makes people really confused. I think, uh, you know... I can look at it as an enthusiast, and I can look at it as someone who enjoys being outside. I enjoy, I enjoy the woods. I enjoy fishing and all that stuff. I enjoy catching something in the water and then cooking it and eating it. I enjoy all that stuff. So much you don't money. have to There's enjoy so much it. money in the food business. And, yeah. And good and bad. I mean, you know, I don't want to make the food companies out to be. What I was going to say is, but I don't want to do it every day, and no. I don't want it to be the only way I can survive. Because it's too hard to do anything else. Fuck yeah. So we figured out a way to make it really easy to get food. The yeah. hardest part of life now becomes the easiest part of life. Well, I mean, when they talk about why did philosophy, why were the Greeks, you know, able to sit around and think? So you had Plato and Socrates yeah. and Aristotle. Well, you know, William McNeil, I think, wrote this book about the fact that, you know, the Greeks had access to timber, olive oil, and wine. And they were able to export those things and exchange them for goods that they needed. Mm. So it meant that they didn't have to live a subsistence lifestyle. They also lived in a temperate climate. So they didn't have to spend so much time getting ready for the winter. Food they were room, also super you know? busy butt-fucking. They were doing a lot of butt-fucking as well yeah. before you know, there, were, there were any probably diseases. But, yeah, but, they didn't have any diseases back then. Oh, no, yeah, right. Just died by plagues <laughs> by entire civilizations. Uh, but, you know, the, the, in a way, when you're able to get your food quickly, like that water, you, it leaves time for other things. It like definitely does. Like podcasting. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's, look, it's an awesome thing. I'm yeah. not saying it's a bad thing. I think it would be real nice if we could all, in some way, reconnect. It would give us a little bit more perspective on things. Because the, the world that we have right now is the best world that's ever lived, for sure, that ever lived, yeah. that ever existed. Yeah. I mean, this, this, uh, this civilization that we're existing in right now no question is the best ever. That. There's no question. It's just so much easier to be informed, so much easier to improve yourself, so much easier to get feedback, so much easier to communicate with people, to get to know things. And there's trust. Yeah. There's trust in institutions, at least in this country. That, you know, when you just said, I, I, this is fresh water from a factory, you know, you don't know what went into it, but you trust that when you drink that 
water. Dude, it's from Whole Foods. You're not going to die down. of, yeah, nobody poisoned that water. Nobody took shortcuts. There's not feces in that water. A lot of countries, you couldn't say that because you don't know who's taking, who's running control and who's got the government in their pocket. But we're really lucky in this country that we have institutions we can trust, like a police force we can trust. Overall, I know there's certain groups, the FBI, there are... Uh, the courts, there's objective law. Those things are fucking, we're so lucky that we all have things like due process and representative government. Yeah, I don't have to worry about a police force knocking on my door. Sometimes you do, I guess, if you've been up to stuff. But I don't have to worry about somebody who has more power than me buying a government official who can then knock on my door and put me in jail on trumped up charges. Are there examples of that? Maybe. But for the most part, I live in a country where that's not the case. Thank God. I don't know why I just took that. You just went on a Fox News rant. You should get that gig, bro. That's I think right, guys. That's going to get you that Fox News gig. I can't. Well, Fox News, if they could just take Donald Trump to task a little more, please. How about you right next to Alex Jones and you'd be like the voice of reason? You know, like they have uh, Hannity and Combs? Yeah. Callan and Jones. Well, listen, I, like I, I just read your boy Michael like Shermer's it. book, Skeptic, which I really liked. Yeah, he's and, awesome. And Michael Shermer's great at, at taking on the conspiracy theorists. Well, you know, he's great at being reasonable about things. Like he was, uh, he broke down the whole firewalking thing and explained how he did it. And he was explaining in a scientific way that it's about conductivity. It's mm -hmm. like there's a reason why we don't cook on the coals themselves because mm -hmm. they're not very good conductors of heat. Right. Like it's why you heat up metal. And the metal grate that goes over your grill, you cook on that. Yeah, you don't want to walk on that. Yeah, it's like when you walk on those coals, it's like it takes a while for you. As long as you move quickly, yep. you don't spend too much time with one spot, you're going to get all right. Yep. He, was, he, was, he gave us a, an actual scientific breakdown. He goes, after about 10 to 15 feet, it kind of gets crazy. Yeah. Because then there's just too much time of you touching the coals. But right. he's like, 8 to 10 feet, you're okay. Him and <laughs> Sam Harris are my favorite guests on your podcast. <laughs> They're both great. They're both yeah. great. Yeah, they're they're both fascinating in their own right. Yeah, they're both uh, you know guys that we really really need. We're, there's there's a lot of nutty shit out there. Like they came on or he came on rather. Michael Shermer. One of the things that he wanted to talk about was this increased presence of people that honestly believe that there is some sort of a conspiracy that the Earth is flat, and that I can't even get. I can't. I don't have the energy. I do. Oh, I have the I energy have just. The energy. I have the energy just to look at it in quick bursts, the like the same thing. I have the energy to hold my breath. Yeah, that's what the, my same energy for flat Earth. Yeah, I'll hold my breath and I'll watch like a few minutes of a YouTube video, and then I go. <sighs> yeah, <sighs> and I have to shut it off. Like but, you're but, going, you're saying a bunch of shit that doesn't make any sense. Why does water spin to a spin, attach to its spinning globe? If we really were round, water would spill over the side. Shut the fuck. Listen, you're not a fucking, you know, you're not a <laughs> physicist. You're not a, you're not. I just put that up on our what? YouTube channel. It, oh, it drives me great. up great. the wall. The hate's coming. I have more people mad at me, and I retweeted one the other day. <clears throat> and I, I put up a real tweet from a real person that believes the earth is flat. He was Shermer. mad at me. He was saying, I'll sell out. I know where your check's being cashed, bro. Oh, come and on. hashtag flat earth. Like, hashtag flat earth is a real thing. He's 14. Listen, Shermer said something great. Shermer said, you know, when you have people reaching the same conclusion from independent lines of inquiry, you've got so many different li independent lines of inquiry. People are doing their own research, and they all converge on one <clears throat> conclusion. If you are then coming in to say, well, this is my idea, if you're a conspiracy theorist, well, yes, but there's all this unexplained phenomenon. That's fine, but, you know, when I ask for an evidence, you know what I always get when I say, what are you having? And they go, it's been covered up, dude. People are being killed. Well, NASA's a bunch of liars. Yeah, and and 1,100 scientists lied about the Earth's moon landing. I mean, come on. 
<clears throat> yeah, it's just, just dude. a Christmas letter. Obviously, yeah. who's signing your checks now? They spell checks, checks with a Q U, so French. they must be from uh, France. England. France. Well, I think they do that in England too, Maybe. right? Flat Earth doesn't need a washed up failure anyway. Hashtag Flat Earth. Aw, oh, man. <laughs> but here's the thing there's video taken from the space station of yeah. the Earth being round and of them circling the Earth. There's time lapse video. You could see time lapse video of the sun rising and falling. Like, you can see it. I'm not like even you, talking about this. I know, but I mean, what do they think that is? That's all fake, right? Listen, and all those people are liars. And everyone awesome. who's ever gone up there. Every, yeah. every, satellites aren't real. Did you know that's another one they do? No. Yeah, they think that satellites are actually low-flying planes. Good. They're or high-flying planes. They're probably just, at mm. the end of the day, they need to belong to a group. Yeah. And they want to be exclusive. It's they a little bit know, like bro. It's a little bit like the... Uh, Modern art when Ayn Rand, Ayn Rand was walking through the Museum of Modern Art and they were a bunch of people were kind of clustered around a broom that had been stuffed into a pail and uh, everybody's like, that's so interesting. And uh, it was really expensive. Then they went in and there was just a, three light bulbs that had been strung together, hanging. And Ayn Rand went, wait a minute, I know what the fuck is going on here. These people are all trying to belong to an exclusive group and they're not really even looking at this art they just want to be you know part of the cool kids that get it you don't get it because you're not sophisticated but i i get this and they don't play chess and they don't collect wine no. so this is their shit this is their shit it's a community you ever it's... go to lacma uh-huh Oh, sure has the L.A. What is it? L.A. County uh -huh. Museum of Art. Oh, is that a white tapestry? You mean he just took a white tapestry mm. and framed it? But it's a, it's the it's the texture of the white. Mm. It's eggshell white. They had a plexiglass box. Of course they did. It was a is a like an amber, amber colored plexiglass. Uh -huh. It was a small box. It was about maybe two feet high. Yeah, maybe three or four feet wide, and it was. It was uh, roped off with wire. You couldn't get close to the what? box to touch it because it was art. Well, uh, this I, I spoke to this amazing artist who owns the Comedy <laughs> Cellar in New York City. Uh, she owns the building the Comedy Cellar's in. And her name is uh, Alva. And she has her... Have you ever been to the Comedy Store in New York? Sure. So, so I'm cellar, sorry, right? the Comedy Cellar. She had, if you look on the wall, there are all these that's amazing... That's it. That's the box. Oh, that's oh. The, it's amazing. Yes. Beautiful. It's amazing. It's people That's, are sitting on it though, so they had to rope it off. Genius! You can't sit on art. It'd be good to sit it's on. It's amazing, but in a really uncomfortable way. It's an amazing piece. That's amazing. It would be incredible in your home, Francois. Francois, the, the Bel Air home. I'm just thinking. It creates amber. You could maybe put it like right at the front door. Like they walk in your house, they like look at what you're into. Mm. I mean, you're in for a crazy night. Look at Francois' box. If you were an artist back in the 70s and 80s and you drew portraits or really cool like figures, you know, that, that you could identify with. Like this girl, Alvin, a woman, she's an amazing painter. Amazing. Like you, you go, you want to buy that stuff. She said it, it, there was no way back in the day that she could even, like people wouldn't even really teach you how to draw you human do figures. It, anymore? it was too literal. It's too literal. You, were, you weren't getting into a, mm. a school. You weren't getting into Cooper Union or anything because you were just too literal. You mm. were not part of the zeitgeist that is the abstract movement. And that's how human beings are. Did you ever, on from that. When you see like a Jackson Pollock, did you ever, do you ever go, wow, that would be cool to have? Or do you go, what in the fuck? I don't know enough about art well, to so have a point of view. You, you, but you he know was, plenty. He was, he was a groundbreaker, I guess. Pull up some of them. In some ways, in that he said he was doing something. Get the fuck out of here. 
Yeah. He was a groundbreaker in splashing paint like a little kid would do. <laughs> well, but the, he did. He was doing something. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I you know don't what, know. man? All you have to do is like get in with the right group. You know, you do acid and blow Woody Allen. You smoke cigarettes. And you yell at your secretary, and people yeah. go, "He's brilliant." He's brilliant. He's amazing. Yeah. Like, oh. the guy's just standing over this part. And, you know, hey, man, if you're one of those guys out there that you're like, fuck you, Joe Rogan. I'm a big Jackson Pollock fan. You don't know shit about art. Obviously. No, no. He had something else, I don't know shit though. about art. But the difference between how I see things and how other people see things, I'm nope. sure. He did something else. He was doing something actually much more deliberate than that. So you ready for my Jackson Pollock uh, education here? Hmm. I believe Jackson Pollock was painting fractal. I think that there was a there were so so uh, fr a fractal would be if you look at the coastline of a of a country and then you look at the micro um, what is it the micro sort of uh, 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 lines in that particular it, they mimic the larger picture the larger coastline that would be a fractal I believe and Jackson Pollock was different because not only was he the first guy to start doing that but he was deliberately creating. What other painters were not able to do, which was fractals. Please, uh, uh, please, somebody tell me that I'm right about that. Personal no, reflections on Jackson Pollock. So, is that the case, Jamie? Is that what they're trying, showing? I'm here? trying to he, find he, a good he, example Pollock that shows pa it. painted nature's fractals. Huh. Scientific discovery. Well, what fractals, the best way to describe fractals is it's a geometric pattern that as you get closer to it, you see. The uh, like, if you look at it from a distance, you see a very particular shape. Like the Mandelbrot set is a perfect example of, of a, an amazing fractal, and it was one of the ones that the <clears throat> the really nutty people used as proof that crop circles were from extraterrestrials. Oh, because mathematicians had only figured out the Mandelbrot set. I, I just I want to say less than a year before this crop circle appeared with a perfect Mandelbrot set in some wheat field. Wow. And the idea of this, pull up a Mandelbrot set so you can see. There's actually an animated version of the Mandelbrot set, which is really the best way to look at it. Because as it goes closer, you can see that it's the same thing on the outside in a smaller scale. And then it go, you go closer than that. Mm. And it's the same thing you saw on the outside, but in a much smaller scale. And then it's, it goes on and on. Infinite, well, that's, that's apparently what, what Pollock was able to do. That other painters have not been able to do. So here's, there was something. Here's deliberate. the animation of the Mandelbrot set. So it's this crazy looking, weird thing that as you get closer to it and it expands, you start it starts revealing repeating itself. Or? Yeah, mm. it's, and it starts revealing how bizarre it is. Like as you see all these little things that stick out of these circles, these, yeah. these giant circles and smaller circles, and then even smaller circles that are attached to the giant circle, mm -hmm. and each one of those gets infinitely smaller. A pattern and smaller. that keeps repeating itself. Exactly, wow. and it never ends. You keep going deep into these things, and you find another small circle, and it has smaller circles on it, and you go to it, and it has smaller circles, and it just keeps going on and wow. on and on and on and on. It's fascinating. There you go. So pull up the crop circle Mandelbrot set and see if you can find the history on it. Because I think it was, like, it was like one of those things where they were like, look, someone who's doing these, either the hoaxer is very educated and some sort of a mathematician and understands the, the proportions <clears throat> in making a correct Mandelbrot or a reasonably correct Mandelbrot set. Or it's aliens. Mm. I'm going with aliens. I'm going with aliens, <clears throat> too. It's, too it's dope. more fun. Look at that. Isn't that crazy, though? That's a beautiful-looking little thing that someone made mm. in the wheat field. Mm-hmm. You know, but the idea that it's impossible to walk and not leave trails, like, oh, there's all these lines in there, you fucks. Like, what about those roads? Like, go up. Like, it's impossible to walk. Like, go to that image and, and make that larger. It's impossible to walk in there and not be detected. Um, I see roads. 
Do you see those fucking roads? Yeah. That's the problem with these fucking people. They never want to see everything. I know. They always want to like look at only the conspiracy. Why? Because it's fun. I used to be one of those people. Yeah. In Michael Shermer's book, he talks about, skeptic, he talks about uh, Thomas Eager, I think, MIT professor, who talks about, yes, jet fuel that burns at 2,700 degrees and, and steel, you know, doesn't melt. Uh, I, I can't remember. No, a jet fuel burns at 1,200 degrees and the steel, the structural steel in the World Trade Center uh, doesn't melt until it's 2,700 degrees. And so you're right. The jet fuel may have gotten up to 1,400 degrees. Here's the thing. At 1,200 degrees or 1,400 degrees, steel loses 50% of its integrity, structural steel. And the steel, and this was this guy from MIT who's an actual, you know, professor of engineering when it comes to metallurgy, you know. And right. when you're at the Master's of Institute Technology, you know some shit, you know, when you're a professor. Yeah, that's yeah. why I hated that argument. It doesn't have to just melt, He you said, dummy. He said, he said when, when there's irregularities in that structure over you know, hundreds of feet, and there are hundreds of degrees of irregularities. It will buckle. It'll, the things will buckle. It'll break the clamps off. And the next thing you know, do you know what percentage? How about this crazy thing? This is also from Thomas Eager, who's a MIT professor. Do you know what percentage of the World Trade Center tower, one of them, was of air? Do you like what percentage was made up of air? You think it was fifty percent? 20%. Meaning, like, if you look at the whole structure on the outside, how much of the inside is made of air? Was, well, a good percentage of every building's made of air, sure. right? Because it's like a honeycomb thing sure. going on. Yeah. I don't know. What's a normal building? Uh, well, the normal buildings have a lot of concrete, and they're made oh, of so huge it's a shitty structure. This was, this, no, this was an incredible building that was able to... F it was basically a giant sail, and it was able to take an incredible <laughs> amount of force, not only from planes, but from wind, like 300-mile-an-hour, right. you know, crazy... Can't remember what it was. Winds. Yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. So it was an incredible feat of engineering made, uh, designed by this Japanese uh, architect, and it was 110 stories high. 95% of that structure was air. 95%. Which is incredible, right? And uh, so when it pancaked, it, it yeah, it fell. It fell. That's why it fell down that way. But yeah, for sure. Stop what. making buildings that are that big, right? Well, Can we just settle the fuck down. It it could. It was yeah. Uh, why yeah. do you have to make it so big? It's big. That's a big building. It seems silly. Yeah. How about you make two smaller buildings, you fuck? I know. But, you know, it was the feet of Manhattan, and they wanted to do something awesome and revitalize the neighborhood. It was a revitalization project. They're, the real problem with conspiracy theories is that some of them are true. That's yeah. the real problem. When you start going over history, you can get paralyzed by all the possibilities because so many things have been conspired and were pulled off throughout history. It's yeah. just a common thread throughout history. But the problem is... When you're looking at things today, like towers falling and buildings catching on fire and collapsing and all these conspiracies get thrown around, you will lose a massive amount of your life watching YouTube videos and reading websites. Will you ever? 643,000 websites, I think, dedicated to the 9-11 conspiracy. Yeah. Oh, that's a small number. But it's, a, it's again, it's one of those things where people don't want to see both sides of it. Yeah. They don't want to see both sides of it. They, I feel like, for sure, there was some incompetency, for sure. There was some failure to uh, understand the threat, Sure, whether that was an intelligence failure. Who, I don't, I don't it you was. know. What, whatever it was. There was, some, there was some failure, right? And that allowed that whole thing to happen. Now, when anything, when anything happens throughout history, there's two 
like just there's one there's two primary uh, things that happen when something goes down. Number one is people capitalize on it. If there's an enormous event, there's something that happens. We get attacked, and you know they know what happens, and they there's there's this there's this moment now in time, right? where they have this potential to do things that they couldn't do before because the mood of the country has shifted. The mood is on revenge. The mood is on preventative measures. And then you can do things like go to Iraq and invade mm-hmm. Iraq. That's 100% fact. Sure. That, that is why they did that. They did not do that because they thought Iraq was going to attack us. There's no evidence whatsoever. They, there's no, the weapons right. of mass destruction was all horseshit, right? right. Exactly. So the whole reason why they did is they look, okay, we got attacked, but on the good side, we got a fucking nice chance to go to Iraq here. Now, the people that are looking at conspiracies, they'll start to add things. Yes. So they'll start to say, they engineered those attacks so they could go to Iraq. Right. That's not necessarily true and way uh, way unlikely. It's also giving the government or a group of people a lot of credit for organizing, being that organized. Thousands of people keeping their mouth shut. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's it, government incompetence and random events and momentum are probably the reason a lot of things things happen. People do have agendas. I do think there was a group of people that had an agenda that wanted to take out the fourth largest army in the world, uh, Iraq, uh, that, because Iraq was posed a threat. But, but um, those people probably got into the decision maker's ear like George W. Bush, not a very wise guy. And, uh, you know, so there, there were people that influenced, I think, the invasion of Iraq who were smarter than the decision makers. Yes. That's what I Bill think. Hicks had a great bit about that fourth largest army in the world thing. Mm. He's like, yeah, but after the first three armies, there's a real big drop off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he goes, the, yeah. the fifth largest army is a salvation army. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that the one of the main reasons after 9-11 was the, the idea was let's go into Iraq to show any other country like Pakistan or North Korea that if they think there's any value in giving a weapon of mass destruction to an enemy like al-Qaeda, that it'll be the end of their country. And here's, here's proof, you know. There's certainly probably a little bit of that, but also oil. Money. Yeah, oil was a big factor. The ability to sort of engineer and control the environment. Of, oh, Jesus Christ. Engineer yeah. and control. Lid was on, luckily. But oil, no, because uh, th- th- that doesn't <laughs> hold water because oil, th- th- there's money in a war effort, but oil is a is a commodity traded on the open market. So if you actually look at the way oil is traded, there's a there's a, a tanker with oil. And it's a war, it's a commodity. So it's it's an a ta- an oil tanker can be on its way to a country, mm-hmm. and then it's that tanker is bought by a broker, and it has to turn course and go back to another place. So oil is traded on the open world market. There's there's oil that's av- so the idea that the United States wanted to control the Iraqi oil is actually bogus because we lost a shitload of money and we don't. We don't get that oil money. We also produce enough of our own oil with fracking and things to well, export we do it. Yeah. We do now. We didn't then. Yeah, but, but let's but, look, but hold on a second because yeah. look at it practically. Does Iraq hold fucking untold billions of gallons of oil? Yeah. Yes. And isn't it a great idea to be in control of a place that has billions of gallons of oil? Aren't we in control of Iraq? Yeah, Didn't we go on. and inv- invade and overthrow their government? We did. But we're not in control of Iraq. Well, we're not in control, but we yeah. essentially overthrew their government and then gave control to other people. If we decide to take it back, if there was some sort of an event and the United States decided to go in and take it back, this, it's not like they're, they're going into North Korea. It's not like they're going into some established country with a powerful army like Russia. 
You know, they're going into something that we essentially broke down. We broke down, created a civil war between two rival factions yeah. of Islam, yeah. which nobody even predicted. Well, they had I no did. idea. <laughs> you you yeah. knew about the area a lot more than a lot of people I that mean, were talking about it because you grew up there. Jesus. You, I remember you talking to me about that. I remember you explaining to me the difference between the Shia and the Sunni. Huge and that these people do not fucking get along. And this is going to, and that this. Uh, Saddam Hussein guy, being a psychopath and a fucking maniac he is, he was also a non-religious person. Yeah. And because he was secular. That's what a Bathist is, essentially. Yeah, I mean, essentially. Know. I mean, yeah. for as much as you can be to exist in that area. Yes. You know? But because of that, you know, he kind of like controlled those people from going after each other. So my point being is there's a lot of fucking money to be made in Iraq and oil, a yeah. lot. And the idea that that wasn't some form of motivation, now we, still, we see these conversations that people have. It's one of the things about these WikiLeaks uh, documents that you get. You get to see the connections that some of these people Pretty have amazing, yeah. with arms sales mm -hmm. and with donations to the Clinton Foundation oh, yeah. and with oil and big with, money. Oh my there's big God, money in, so much money in reconstruction, big money in weaponry, mm. big money in oil drilling. There's big money in all of that stuff, and everybody's got their hand in the pie. Everybody's, yeah. and then then what happens is, you know, you have other countries. For example, look at. Pakistan. Pakistan has zero First of all, interest. I love the way you say that. Pakistan, Pakistan has zero interest in having a peaceful Afghanistan. I can't even say France, France without, without making. C'est le France. 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 Vive la France. Uh, so then you have other countries like that that have less of an interest in keeping that country stable. So they foster conflict by supporting criminal networks, by supporting other. Um, vested interests in those countries, keep those countries in turmoil, and then you have a real problem. And and the biggest issue with, uh, you know, if you wanted to get into a conspiracy, my God, this the Iraq invasion in 2003 was good for Iran, made Iran a bigger player, probably made Russia more influential, and certainly made the Shia in Iraq the people that finally had some power and had control of oil over the Sunni minority that is sent. Remember what the British, Brit British used to always do this, right? The British would go into, for example, in Syria and things like that, that the Alawites in Syria are in power. The Alawites are a minority. That's what Bashar al-Assad is. And I believe the Alawites are Shia, where the majority of the country is Sunni, I believe. It might be the other way around. But the British always would go into a country when they would take over, a colonize a country, and they'd find a minority. And they would give that minority a lot of power. And here is the genius of that. They would, they would prop them up and because now the minority in that country had to be loyal to the British. Because if they weren't, if they, if they chose to now kind of side with any kind of a revolution, side with any kind of an independence movement, the minority also knew that once that was over, the majority that they had been suppressing, that they had been given favor over, would then turn on them. Do you understand? Mm. So that was always a, a way of dividing and conquering. Find mm. who the minority in the country is and go ahead and give them power so that they will they will have to be loyal to us because their survival will be, will depend on it. Well, there's been really bizarre moments in history where leaders have actually contemplated how to keep the population under control in the event that there's no war. That's one Always. of the big fears is the event that peace breaks out. Yeah, I mean, right. it's one of the reasons why they constructed the, the game of football. 
they they made football to deal with the fact that people weren't going to war and you had all these young men that's right that were ready to fucking go out there and kick some ass yeah. and there was no ass to kick mm-hmm. you know they had conquered america they had wiped out all the native americans and put them into reservations and that so that was a, a, a sort of unspoken war and then there was the wars with the british and the wars with the, Spa- the Spanish and all this different shit that went on for how many hundreds of years? An you know, outlet all throughout for aggression. The Men, what was that? The great article, uh, I can't remember his name, but he wrote an article that goes, I, don't, I never trust anybody who hasn't been punched in the face. And he said, civilization is an agreement among men to behave well. Mm. And, you know, when you got civilization, it's fine. But look at the simulated violence that all of us have to engage in. I, at 49, go and box. Look at the UFC. I never miss a fight. (laughs) You know, I want to see it. There's something about that. I think MMA, I've heard this, is one of the fastest growing sports among young men all over the world. It's not surprising. When you see two men trying to kill each other with their bare hands, there are triggers, visual triggers, the same as like with pornography. There's just visual triggers, right? You're just like, that taps into my caveman. Yeah, there's certainly some of that. Yeah. So... We've uh, covered a lot of ground here, and I, I feel good about it. To know that I'm the age of most of your fathers, and I hope you've written down everything I fucking said. Mm. I'm going to be in Ottawa, by the way. Ottawa? What are you doing in Ottawa? I'm doing a college there, uh, September 30th. And you do colleges still? You think that I would remember? Since we get such a wide, you have such a wide. I should tell everybody where I'm going to be. Yeah, do you I know? Do that. I'm hopeless. Just t- text me, and I'll tweet it. All right, and we'll be in. Uh, we're sold out in San Jose. Oh, shit. Yeah. This you September and Shaw. Don't see you and me. Some Sh- people go, Joe Rogan, you gonna- fucking lied to me. I'm like, I didn't say I was going to be there. Brandon Schaub and I fight her in October 13th. Tickets available. Brea. Brea Where- in California. Where Brea are you at California. this weekend? This weekend, uh, we are going, this Thursday, I'm going to be in uh, San Jose. What about Friday Improv. and Saturday? I'm around. You want to work? Actually, Friday, Saturday, I have gigs. You son of a bitch. I know. Where Friday, I'm in Ventura. How do you not know where you are? Friday, I'm in Ventura. Saturday, I am at U, uh, UC Santa Barbara doing stand-up. Another college. Yeah. You smarty bounce. Do you I get know. out there with a book and start reading I, from I it? I don't, but I like to be a little edgy, and I like to see how far I can push it. Like, the last time I did UC, UC Santa Barbara, I said... Um, maybe don't think, I know you guys think that you're the center of the universe. Maybe, maybe put yourself last in all categories. Maybe you're not that important. It wow. might be good. We, it was, That's uh, not empowering. I don't like the way you think. Well, but, it, but we live in a world where it's so self-celebration. Like I'm going to fucking yell at the school. You're not that important. <laughs> Your dreams are my, not that important. My kids went down there to get an education, not to be taught by some fucking 49 year old burnout. You're not important. But he looks a lot younger than 49. He's got tight fitting skin from a distance. From a distance. From a distance. I think about getting old. Yeah, you should. You're getting old. That's why I train. Me too. That's why I do my yoga. There's no getting around it, buddy. I know. It is what it is. Um, I think we solved a lot of the problems. I think. I don't think we solved shit. And I think right. this is what I think. I think the world's perspective is a lot like my Lego pile that I was talking about. Little tiny Legos get put on all the time. And sometimes we have to take Legos off. Yeah. Sometimes, like we've created areas of protection where we don't really need any protection. The big, big one being humor. Like when people try to dissect humor and pretend that these are actual statements, like you're giving a fucking affidavit in court or something like that. Like people yeah. say ridiculous things they don't really mean. That's why you laugh at them because you know they don't really mean it. Exactly. You know, and the the idea that you're allowed to get triggered by these things and you're allowed to protest to get upset. It's it's just a symptom of us being too soft. It's just a symptom of life being too soft. That these gentle snowflakes. I couldn't agree, man. Fragile snowflakes. More. I couldn't agree more. So scared. But get some perspective. Yeah, they can't be so much worse. 
if shit went down just like it did on 9-11, then you get this beautiful community of people that are happy and, and truly thankful. Yes. But it's almost like shit has to go down for us to remember. Or you got to do something really hard. I think that's one of that's the it, great things about exercise. Like sometimes I'll come out of a, a workout and I fucking love everybody. I want to hug people. Yeah. I just love endorphins everybody. Endorphins running through your body. Oh yeah, I'm high yeah. as fuck on endorphins. Yeah. And on top of the endorphin thing, it's also like just a, a release of stress. And it's working out is so difficult sometimes that when it is over, like you have this, uh, you know, a, like the the struggle of a peak training session. Like, say if you're doing rounds on the bag, right? And you know you're going to do seven rounds in the bag. And you hit that fourth round and you are fucking exhausted. Yes. And you know you have to do three more rounds. And you know, and you're gonna go have to go hard. Like when it's it's so hard to do when you're in the moment, when you're you're heaving and you're looking at the clock, and there's still a minute and forty five to go, and you're uh, and you're mm. just breathing fire and trying to pace yourself. That's so much more difficult than everything else. Of course. That once you get out, everything else is like. Ah, well, the what sun's Vince Lom- Vince Lombardi said that fatigue makes cowards, cowards of, of us all. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think he said of men in sp- specific. Hold on, listen. That's me. back in the old days. I'm going to be at the old Conquin. I know you're going to be Are mad you pulling at me. Up? No, because I didn't want Gates. you. Because I get made. You guys make fun of me for not being yes. good at marketing. Get on it. Oh, I'm going to be at the Algonquin Commons Theater in Ottawa. Yes, Friday, September 30th. Algonquin Commons Theater. Wow. Oh, so I'm not doing a college. It's a com- it's a theater. Well, it might be out of college. Sometimes, right. like they'll hold things like for the whole community. I'm excited. Have you, you been excited? to Ottawa? Yeah, I've been to Ottawa. I love Ottawa. I love Canada, I love Canada in general. Me too. I'm a big fan of Toronto, of sure, for sure. I'm excited. Algonquin Commons Theater. I'm a big fan of Vancouver, big fan of Montreal. I just like it up there, so man. So do I do. I like the people better. Me too. They're nicer. I if agree shit hits the fan, that's where I go. Let's go up there. What we'll do you want to hunt? Go? Toronto's cold as fuck. We'll be cold together. We got to meet. You've, have you met my friend, the Rivets, that no. live in, in Alberta? No. They live way the fuck up there. They live in a log house and they shoot bears every day. Really? <laughs> That's just too far up there. How about that? It's just they get, too far. All, they all get all their meat from the woods, man. Yeah. They're way up there. They're two and a half hours outside of Edmonton. Oof. Yeah, maybe more. It might be like three and a half I spent hours. spent a lot of time in Edmonton. Woo! Uh, it's a fun town, too. Oh, you it's know? a great town. And I think there's something about the fact those people have to endure ungodly temperatures. Phew. They bond together. It's incredible. Yeah. And they do a lot of drugs. <laughs> a, oh, a lot of drugs. Which kind of drugs? Oh, cocaine everywhere. Mm-hmm. If I was a if I was a toot head, if I wanted to toot up, I'd be. I've been I've been offered more blow in in Edmonton. God think, bless those people. How do you think they get it in? If you think about it, right? Canada's way the fuck up there, and you can't even grow coke in North America. Right. Did you know that? No. Yeah, I think it can't be grown in the United States. Google if that's possible. If that's true. I've been repeating that all my life, and I'm pretty sure I got it from an iced tea song. <laughs> my feeling, my feeling is talking about conspiracy. I'm sure with that kind of money, there are probably people that are border control and stuff who are getting. It's just too easy to let it through. I think it's from the song High Rollers. You want to be a high roller? <laughs> Does cocoa beans? Truth is, cocoa beans do grow in the U.S., but only in very limited areas. Typically, cocoa beans are grown in a narrow band referred to as the cocoa belt or chocolate belt. This band exists no, up to 20 cocoa. degrees of latitude. Cocoa. No, but that's cho- cocoa. That, we're talking about cocoa. That's, that's cocoa beans. That's chocolate. Chocolate's legal. You know that. Yeah. No, we're talking about cocoa beans. We're actually calling it about leaves, Jamie. It's not. It's cocaine. 
Coca plant. They yeah. Coca plants. Coca. Yeah. We spe- so we add a, the OA, which is the chocolate stuff, which is weird because it doesn't taste good. You ever have like raw cocoa? Yes. It's really good for you, but it is does it? not taste that good. No, it doesn't. It's bitter. Don't we have some shit that we're putting in our um, butter from cocoa or something like that? What is it? Cacao. Cacao. Oh, that's right. Yeah, cacao. But, but cocoa, cocoa was first processed with milk and sugar. That was a real kind of... Because we got it from South America, right? And then they took it back Jamie, to you Europe. Jamie, you didn't... But it didn't say that's it. That's illegal. I was trying no. to find if you could grow it. Yeah. But it said it right below that. Uh-huh. You pull it back up. You can see it. People grow... Do people grow cocaine right there? Bored, straight dope. Yeah, that's right. See if that, but that's just a message board. Yeah, so trying to find out I have a question for you. Please do. Um, I, I, what do you think of when we do legalize marijuana? Right, if it does get legalized, it there'd be a to. lot of there'd be a lot of lobbying efforts and stuff like that. But how do you feel about marijuana use in teenagers? I don't think it's a good idea, but I would do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If I was fifteen, because I don't think it's a good idea either for a growing mind. Because I think that weed can tend to. I think THC is still a mind-altering substance, mm-hmm. and just like anything else, and it has its benefits. But I think as you're growing, it feels like it can be, for the most part, for a young mind, a motivation killer. It could be. I think there's a lot of factors that could uh, play into the big picture of who you become. That it certainly could be one of them. To deny that it's not influential, I think it's kind of silly. Yeah. Um, and also to uh, really, truly understand the effects of its uh, – the, the, the way THC affects the developing mind is not completely understood. And it's, it's definitely under debate. Mm. You know, there's, there's a lot of studies that have shown that it's actually not bad at all for a woman to be smoking it while her baby's in the womb, which is really contrary to what a lot of people think. Right. But whether or not it's beneficial for a young kid – first of all, it's, it's probably – it's – if you think of how old you are when you actually are an adult, I mean, we have this number, right? The number's 18, right? Right. But your brain doesn't really fully form. It's not fully formed until your early 20s, right? right. Yeah. So there's, there's a bunch of shit going on. Mm-hmm. And if you're altering that, who knows what the consequences are? You know, like I'm Which a is fan. probably why we have laws against drinking when you're underage or smoking see, in and other all countries, those see, in other countries, they have less instances of alcohol abuse per capita because it's not this forbidden taboo thing. Mm. Like there's a real argument for that too. Right. Is that kids don't like being told what to do. And when you can get away with your friends and someone sneaks a little fucking flask of whiskey and we all sit around drinking in our clubhouse like, mm-hmm. ooh, we're cool. But if if it was legal and easy to get, we might not be so inclined to do that. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. I, I know France doesn't have the same issues, but Russia does. Yeah, so, well, but Russia then again, does. Being Russia, and it wouldn't be that fun. You know, those are winters and the winters and the fact that you know they got conquered by the Mongols for yeah. two hundred fucking years. You're also being run by. You're also being controlled by a Czar right now. Yeah. Putin's yeah, a Czar. He's a terrifying person. <laughs> yeah, they keep fucking shooting guys that know a lot about Russian uh, doping for uh, the Olympics. Oh yeah, they keep shooting these and doping scientists and journalists. And journalists. Yeah. But the doping scientists, they're dropping like flies. You been paying attention to that? Yeah. Holy that, shit. That, there you go. There's a conspiracy. Oh, that's a real one. Yeah. Someone's murdering those fucking people. That's right. They know too much and they're being taken Russian out. Russian intelligence. Whoa. Yeah. Poisoning you with odorless 
tasteless substances that the KGB is very good at, or the FSM or whatever it's called now. Uh, and now apparently Putin is revamping the intelligence, his, his domestic uh, intelligence agency. Do you think Putin knows that we know he has Botox in his forehead? I didn't know that he did. I'm not going to admit or deny that. His forehead's way too shiny. Yeah. It's like an old lady at the beauty parlor. There's this journalist that wrote an article in 2012 about him. She's still alive, but she's been harassed. But she basically, you know, talk about a gutsy woman. Like she just basically wrote this expose on him, done a lot of, called him a small, mean, simple-minded man. <laughs> it's a lot more than that, man. Yeah. What, he's, what, what Putin is, is like a throwback. Yeah. You know, Jocko Willink, my he's, friend is a former Navy SEAL. Yeah. You know, Jocko's, he's got a good sense of like... The way he classified it is like perfect. Goes, he's a gangster. Yeah. Both with both uses of the word. That's right. Like the guy's just running the country by himself. Like Mafia that is state. gangster. And yeah. he's also a real. He's a real gangster. Yeah. He's one of the rare like actual dictators mm -hmm. where it's like oh you go he's got like a little thing in front of him he's pretending that he's yeah, but yeah. the reality oh he's the king yeah he's the king of and russia people, but the, 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 the other difference him. is they love him yeah he's got 80 percent approval rating or something dude like that. people love trump too there's just something about first of all the 80 percent approval rating is probably a lot like kim jong-un's 100 yeah. approval yeah. rating you know like yeah. you, you dare have no not. other choices yeah well that, gary gasparov you ever hear what he, what he said yeah. yeah he said uh to governor pence uh trump's running mate Tr trump's running mate said uh uh he's a strong leader you can't deny he's a strong leader and gary kasparov said mr Put uh mr pence governor pence saying uh, Vladimir Putin is a strong leader is like saying arsenic is a strong drink. Your country should be ashamed of you. I couldn't Whoa. agree more. Because you do need to know the difference. You do need to know that when, when you talk about a strong leader, a strong man in that context, what you're really talking about is a man who thinks he's above the institutions of that country. He's above the rule of law. You are at his whim. And what do strong men do? I'll create security as long as you give me all your money. I'll create security as long as you give me all your freedom. I'll create security as long as you say nothing bad about me. What was that, uh, Dan Carlin, my favorite quote? The Romans created a wasteland and called it peace. Russia mm. Russia is a one-crop economy. When was the last time you bought a Russian good? Give me one thing. You ever buy a Russian I, computer? Everything is from Russia. Yeah. Everything Russian in my home. Russian car, Russian computer, Russian washing machine, yes. Russian you know, nanotechnology. Hats. I buy those big hats. A lot of hats. A lot of hats. What, the flaps that come down the side? Vodka. Yeah. She isn't even that good anymore. We make it better. Sweden makes it better. And then wow, you've got- how dare you? I don't even know what you're saying. Oil. I don't agree with any of this. All right. Uh, no, I, I do. You're I, in his pocket. I think that- there's also this game that that Pence guy has to play. I mean, he's been playing the small-time politics game. Now he's going global. I mean, there's this game that this guy has to play yeah. where he has to, you know, say nice things about people that Donald Trump has said nice things about. You know, well, Donald Trump has said that he's a fan of Putin. Yeah. Robert Gates. Yeah, Robert <laughs> Gates. You know Robert Gates, who was Secretary of Defense, who served Ooh. eight presidents over 50 years? Okay. Uh, Robert, uh, I mean, sorry, Robert Gates, right, wrote an article uh, in the New York Times, this is a guy who served Republican administrations. Look up Robert Gates for a second. Secretary but hold Defense. on, look at this. Art. Look yeah, at I that. saw it. I, I know, I know. It says Mike Pence says it's inarguable that Putin is a stronger leader than yeah. Obama. Yeah, he's an he's an, for me. You're you're a you're an ignoramus when you say things that are irresponsible. Robert Gates said that Donald Trump is not only unfit but dangerous for the defense of this country. He has zero idea of the nuances that go into geopolitics, what it takes. He's just a, he work, he operates on his gut, his gut level. And I think that the guy isn't even interested in knowing what he doesn't know. He's, He's Kentucky a, Fried Chicken with a fork and knife. Can't stand him. Some kind of a monster. I don't like Hillary either, to be honest, because I'm more of a libertarian, but I'll tell you something, I don't like that guy. He's an egomaniac. 
and I think he's dangerous. Beyond repair. Do you think that he thought that this was ever going to really work out this way, that he would actually be the Republican nominee? It's a nominee? good question, unless he was doing it for his own brand. I can see him. He's so—everything comes back to that guy. It's all about him, right? It's all about him. And I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, he said, I'm going to run. It's going to be good for my brand. It's going to get make me more famous, which has always ever been interested, it seems. And it'll be it'll be good for my company and all that. And all of a sudden he went, hold on, man. I'm, I'm actually going to do this. But I don't think he wants to work that hard. The presidency of the United States, that's a hard thing to— Well, I would assume big that he has a ton of obligations, always, right? Yeah. And I would assume all those obligations make him a substantial amount of money, unlike being the president. The president is not a substantial amount of money in in well, you terms make a of lot like after fees. the fact. Yeah, he yeah, put his money and he put his company in a, in a trust under his kid's name. It, that's not that's not the issue. I yeah, think. yeah, but I mean, you really think he wants to step away from everything and run the country for mm-hmm. a half a million bucks a year? I don't know. I, I think bet that's he a, doesn't. I think that's a good question. Four hundred president yeah. has earned four hundred thousand dollars annual salary, along with a fifty thousand dollars annual expense account, yeah. a one hundred thousand dollars non taxable travel account, and a nineteen thousand dollars for entertainment. Hmm. hmm. Nineteen thousand a year for entertainment. Yeah, I spent a lot more than that. The most recent raise in salary was approved in, by Congress and President Bill Clinton in nineteen ninety nine. Went into effect in two thousand one. So Clinton was balling. How convenient, yeah. that motherfucker. Yeah. Balling. You wanted that 400 grand. 400 grand back then was probably a lot of money. I think Sam Harris did it on your podcast, did a great job of describing Donald Trump. He said, I don't know if he's ever said anything. I've And I've listened to everything he said. I mean, I, I try to listen to his speeches. I try to listen to his interviews. And I agree with him. I, I don't think that Donald Trump has ever said anything profound or insightful. I've never heard him say even anything... I, substantive about what he would do about major challenges in this country other than the fact that he would build a wall very general good luck with that mm. and and uh and get tough he'd get tough on law and order it's gonna get all, tough like a movie all guy. demagogues all demagogues in history always talked about law and order and how we have to get tough and that is another way of saying give me more power give me more guns i'm gonna keep things i'm gonna enforce the law because apparently our cities are hell holes but that's not true. It's not true. The cities have become places where a lot of people go and have never been safer in the history of this country, New York City, et cetera. So, you know, this guy is, uh, he's got lots of um, sensationalist things to say, but there's very little substance. Long on style, short on substance. But he's always been that guy. That's his whole, like, yeah. marketing campaign. Yeah. Well, he's, a, he's, a, he's a salesman. Yeah. He sells himself. He puts his name everywhere. He brands things. He's got this... This look, he wears nice suits. You know, mm-hmm. he's got a look even with his hair. Come on, uh-huh. he knows he could cut his hair better than that. Yeah. He does that shit on purpose. He does that shit because he knows it's like his whole thing. Mm-hmm. His whole thing is just the whole wackiness of it all. Yeah, but I, my issue becomes more about like when people say he's got to be smart because he made a lot of money. Okay? So we extrapolate, we, we make these sort of large claims and even i would do that look he's an entrepreneur he does run a company he has created some value in his brand he did have luxury apartments when i think of trump i think of nice hotels and nice apartments i don't want to take everything away from him he's had mistakes all all entrepreneurs make mistakes so i don't begrudge him that um well here's the deal what is the the, the, this becomes a problem with that word smart whether or not you just decide this person's smart he's got to be smart this person's smart she's smart he's smart and then you try to well he's got 130 IQ what does that mean you're really good at problem solving how good are you socially you know how good are you understanding people how how good a conversationalist are you there's a lot of variables when it comes to what is smart and what's not smart obviously that guy is 
fairly good at making fuckloads of money, right? Mm -hmm. He's fairly good at running casinos and hotels and restaurants. And I mean, you know, those things fall apart and drop and, you know, there's people lose money. There's a lot of ups and downs when it comes to business. But, you know, he's flying around in jets. He's got big houses and shit. I mean, there's a lot of success there. It's not like he lost all of his money yeah. and he's poor. No, he inherited about $200 million and had a whole apparatus, including lawyers and political connections in New York. But, he, he you know, he's... A, what is, that I how see, much, is that what the number is? Yeah. $200 million? Yeah, But yeah. he had money before that, right? Uh, and he he got, inherited that money. No, before he was given like $2 bucks. By his parents as a loan yeah, to start yeah. his first business. No, but it, this is ridiculous. His father was a huge developer, and he'd always follow his father around. His father was a giant developer in New York, and mm. he inherited essentially not only not only the money, but also the political apparatus, the connections. You know, so much of of Trump's uh, when he bought so many of those buildings in New York, and I think at the center of his empire is fifteen buildings in New York City. He bought those buildings, and he got huge tax breaks. Again, I don't begrudge that. Developers work deals with the city, and they get big tax breaks. But remember, a lot of those deals came from deep inside political connections right. and connections to construction companies, many of which were owned by gangsters. That's just the way you do business in New York City. Again, I don't criticize that, but please don't act as though you weren't using the political system and greasing the political palms to get and make and hold on to your money. Well, the he's same kind of thing you criticize other people. But he's kind of admitting that he did it. He's saying he understands how the system works. Yes. Like yeah. when he was talking about how he went to Hillary Clinton's wedding. Right. Like He, he gave her money. He gave her money yeah. and went to her wedding. Yeah. It's great. Which is, by the way, when you watch those those debates, he's really entertaining. Yeah. I mean, he is. You can't... You can't you can't begrudge people. I, I don't think it's good to say that all people that support Trump are dumb or rednecks. I think that's prejudiced and ridiculous. There are people that are really fed up with the way things are working. The system, Democratic and Republicans, not working for them. There are a thousand reasons, and they're going, at least this guy's speaking his mind, and he's just different. You know, I get it. But please, man, please, he's, he's not the answer. Plus, it's kind of fun. He's fun. It's, it's kind of fun when this this guy. Well, the whole thing. He'd probably thing, be fun for us to hang out with. You know what I mean? He's a maybe, guy. Maybe. I mean, you know. Maybe if we we could be assured that he wasn't being recorded. Yeah. He could feel free. We yeah. could cut a couple of pops in him. Yes. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But there there's a bunch of issues with Clinton as well. You know, yes. and you look at all the stuff that's attached to her, and all the people that think that there's something wrong with her, and you know what she represents, and. It's, there's not one ideal choice. And then, okay, Jill Stein, who's the Green Party candidate, she just said that she thinks that 16-year-olds should be allowed to vote, mm. which is just hilarious. Yeah. Um, no, they would vote for unicorns and Narnia. Yeah. Like, they're children. Yeah, they're children. They're teenagers. Yes. Teenagers shouldn't be able to decide Their the brains aren't future fully of the formed. world. It's crazy. They're children. They're living at home still. Like, stop. Mm -hmm. No, no, you don't get to decide how the world works. That's crazy. Right. That's so <laughs> Dude, ridiculous. Dude, I think about the way I thought when I was 25 versus now. I mean. 16, I was such a monkey. Oh, God. I was a monkey. The idea that anybody could ask me any questions other than why is my dick hard all the time. <laughs> like, I don't have any uh, answers. Uh, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Oh, my God. I agree. All these people that are running for president are all silly. They're all silly people. You need like, like literally would need like a Sam Harris. And then he would, you know, you'd need like a really smart guy who could be pragmatic about things. And then he could appoint people who are qualified. I don't need to nominate Sam because he doesn't want to do it. But you well, know what I'm saying? Well, even Sam he, has his limit. You know, Sam, 
What's interesting about Sam Harrison, uh, Sam Harris, is that Sam's model for human behavior and Sam's model for the way things should work is that essentially people are rational. You know that that he'll because his arguments for uh, against religion, if you listen to some of his speeches, are listen to how irrational this is. The problem is that you know Jonathan Haidt, who's a great thinker, and they had a debate, and Jonathan Haidt said to Sam Harris, Sam, your model for human beings is a little bit outdated because you're assuming human minds are rational. Uh, human beings are intuitive. We are emotional. And in fact, we're, we're emotional and we will create rationality around those impulses and those emotions. So even he has his limitations on how human beings work. And okay. I'm sure we'd be criticizing his point of view as well. But I agree with but you. But let's stop right there because that's a giant generalization. Whenever someone says human beings are this... There's a giant percentage of us that are totally irrational and out of our fucking minds. And then there's a percentage of us that are rational. And I shouldn't say us because I'm not necessarily sure I'm rational. Our personality. Like some parts of our our personalities are rational. Other parts. Hey, you you know why I spar? In case I get in a fight. That's how insecure I am. Like, I just want to be ready for an imaginary scenario. Does that make any sense? Mm. Not really, dude. But we we all do these things. I'm losing my power. Never had much anyway, but... Do you lift weights? Yes, I deadlift. I know you can't tell, but dude, if you, I'm going to show you my lower back and my ass. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I work for my core, Something to look forward to. I believe you. All right. Well, no, but I feel like you're... When we're talking about um, just like someone generalizing, people do this or people do that, I think people are absolutely capable of better, and I think they're wiser now than they were hundreds of years ago when they believed unbelievably ridiculous things. Mm-hmm. It's not that long. Mm-mm. It's such a short amount of time with how far people have come. You know, like we were talking about earlier when we first brought up this Matt LeBlanc thing, putting in perspective the steps that have been made and then the the progress that has been made. It's a, it's just a strange time. It's a strange time because on one hand, you do have these really fascinating, really rational people that make some great points and you go, wow, maybe there's hope for us. Mm. But I think it's like what I said, the little building blocks, these Legos. You put a little t- tiny Lego, layer of Le- Legos on with each little experience and each little the way it gets interpreted by people. And they add up to things. So our version of like what reality is now, it keeps changing and growing and expanding and morphing as opposed to you know a 1930s movie depiction of, mm-hmm. of reality, which is really all we have to go on other than history books. Yes. What do we have to do? We have to go on like what it looked like to watch Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Like, mm-hmm. How did they talk to each other? Who were these people? Like, what, what, is this how people were back then? Right. Because you got the written word. You know, what so you we're got? coming closer to the answers, right? Is it what you say? Moving Boy. toward... More I, of a, a truthful model, at least, for how the world works? I think it's so far away, but I think it'll happen quicker than you think. Because mm-hmm. I think with the exponential expansion of technology, it's going to accelerate all this learning and this understanding. It's gonna, I think one of the things that we're, we're feeling really weird about when it comes to the Internet is this uh, invasion effect where it's invading our lives, it's invading people's privacy, it's invading your time, people are getting addicted to checking websites and checking their phone, it's got this sort of invasive thing. Mm. And when I look at that, like the other day I was at um, this place and all these people were on their phone and I just stopped and I was just looking around and all these people were walking and talking on their phone and holding their phone in front of them. I'm like, this is a takeover. This is a takeover. Like if that was an alien, like it looks cute because it's glass and it's beautiful and it sits in your pocket. But if there was like an alien that came and landed in your ear and demanded as much time as your phone demands, Mm. like we would think, oh my God, human beings, their minds are being taken over by this being. If something just climbed 
up on top of your face and and and, uh, and uh, just start talking in your ear. Hey, man, I got some ideas. Mm. And you're like, oh, and you're like sitting there like with these aliens on your ear all day. People people would freak out. They're like, yeah. oh my god, we've got to get back to being people. Well, there's some weird filter between being a person and then being a person communicating with people only through technology, only through electronics that you're inseparable. Yeah. You're inseparable it's from true. these things. It's you true. Know, all those things are leading us in some sort of a weird way closer and closer and closer together. To a neural net. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's going to take place. It's just a matter of when. It's not, a lot of, well, someday, maybe. No, it's going to take place. Whether or not we all choose to voluntarily join in, I, I don't know. But it's, I think it's going to be just one of the inevitable realities of the future, like um, auto-driving cars, self-driving yeah. cars. Are, they're, they seem to be like but one what, of those to, things to you what, see it on the to horizon. To what end, though, right? So yeah. The, to what end? It, it always feels like human beings are pushing toward what their version of immortality like everybody wants to live forever right everybody wants to live forever like germ theory germ theory was a radical theory i mean the, the germ theory remember was is a very new concept you know mm -hmm. germ theory was don't drink that water because there is there are germs in there when Leeuwenhoek invented the microscope and was checking his own saliva before he brushed his teeth he would like he'd look and say there's all this the germs in my mouth and there are these little microbes that were that you can't see, but I created these lenses, and you can see them. And then he would clean his mouth out, and he'd spit into the slide, and he'd say, ah, there are less of those moving things in my mouth. That was the beginning. People like that were the beginning of, uh, of the idea that there is something called bacteria. And now we're realizing there are good bacteria and bad bacteria, and maybe your bio. But all these, all these sort of developments were there to push us beyond our biology. So we didn't have to die of infection anymore because we came up with this idea because Alexander Fleming came up with something called penicillin. He had a cold and he, his snot dripped into a Petri dish that had some mold in it. And he realized that the, the mold had killed the bacteria that was in his you know, nose. And he went, wait a minute, I'm going to invent something called penicillin. And then antibiotics were born. So we had all these, all these giant leaps, this idea that you can't see them, but they're germs. So wash your hands. What? And it'll keep things like the bubonic plague maybe at bay, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. I, and, and so as we move in this direction of understanding, of understanding about our own biology, Understanding about our own psychology, understanding about you know sort of the dangers of certain ideologies, uh, and and why we should embrace other ideologies, like for example, I don't know, everybody's of the same moral worth because something's weird and different because they're gay or they wear weird clothing. That doesn't mean they should be ostracized. In fact, that means they should be included. Well, what are we doing here with all this knowledge? What we're doing is we're saying this is a better way to live. This is a more comfortable way to live. This will allow us to live for a longer period of time in more comfort. But why? Why is it so we can come up with better movies, books, ideas? It starts to get to a point where you're like, what are we doing this for? Like, right. is, it, is it just for our entertainment? And then does that mean that we are chasing more sensation? It might be sensory sensation. Or is the idea to achieve a higher level of understanding? And then there are problems that we really have trouble with, which is something like climate change. Climate change is real. 
you've got ice sheets melting at a rate. You know, I think what is the the Los Angeles Basin uses one kilometer of water a year, and Greenland's ice sheet is melting at something like 240 kilometers. I mean, something crazy. We're losing. You know, sea levels are going to rise. There's this other huge existential threat that's going to affect all of us. Maybe push a half a billion people who live on coastlines inland to create a massive amount of, you know, uh, ecological changes on a scale maybe we haven't seen. So it's just a very strange thing. As we get closer to learning how to live together and learning a better life, as we create this neural net where we're getting a better understanding of what it's like to be somebody else, even though their culture, their software is so different, it makes us more compassionate, I suppose, as a group of people. Right? We can have a language for it. We have a, at least we're trying. At least we know that's important. At least we know things like racism, even though it exists, is kind of a bad idea for a lot of reasons. Yes, we're getting closer to this goal, but then I feel like there's this giant tidal wave behind us. In, An ecological know. tidal wave. Maybe, all that, but that's maybe. A, and then what does that honestly, mean? Honestly, it's all a moot point if we get hit by an asteroid. Right. I mean, we have a lot of near-Earth objects that could fucking it's ruin bit, civilization instantaneously. It comes back to fractals. Well, that's there's what also I was going to say. Yeah, there's that little bomb in Chelsea I could have been obliterated. I got all these plans. Well, it really does go back to fractals because one of the mind fuck of all mind fucks is that when you go into a person's body, the deeper you go, you hit their cell you go into their cells, you find subatomic particles blinking out of existence, and most of it is air anyway, which is a lot like what? The fucking universe. Yes. So we don't, yes, we don't exactly. know because we only have a limited amount of ability to measure these things. Yeah. But it's entirely possible that inside every one of those events, subatomic events, where you're seeing particles blinking in and out of existence, you might be able to go deeper and deeper and deeper and find a whole new universe. The human cells, the universe, yes, the human cell exactly. and the mechanisms are so intricate and so detailed. And there's so much going on that it's actually mind boggling. You could spend a lifetime studying how a cell breaks down. And what is going on in a cell? You can well, spend a lifetime. That's the true nature of infinity. And that's why it's so impossible to grasp. Because if there are hundreds of billions of galaxies in this universe, each with hundreds of billions of stars, it's entirely possible that all of that could just be one subatomic particle that's in another cell, that's in some other person in some other universe, and that goes on and on. I mean, that is the true nature of infinity, that it has no end. Yeah. So it is entirely possible that what we look at as a structure, you look at the inner, the universe, like, wow, this amazing, constantly expanding thing. It's, it's so beautiful, and there's so many cells, there's so many stars, that it might be a part of a, a cell that's immeasurable to our little puny eyes Maybe and Maybe the answer then is surrender, like Socrates and Newton, to argue the greatest minds that we, at least in the European tradition, Socrates says, I know more than everybody else because I'm very aware of the fact that I basically know nothing. After a lifetime of contemplation, and then Newton said, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants, but he, he kind of likened himself to a kid skipping a rock along think, the surface of the ocean. That's how much he knows. Newton was on the spectrum? Because it seemed like Newton had some really weird things. You know what he said, right, at the end of his life, his greatest accomplishment? You know what his greatest accomplishment was? What? That's so funny. He said, my greatest accomplishment, he invented calculus. He invented calculus, you know, spatial relationship, theory, gravity, motion. I mean, he's, just, he's the father of all scientists, right? And uh, he said, uh, he said, my lifelong, the, my biggest achievement was lifelong celibacy. Yeah, that was his thing. <laughs> yeah. He was into no pussy. Yeah, very religious, very religious, but mm. whatever that meant. Mm. But uh, yes, do I think he was on the spectrum? 
I think a mind like that on that level was on a lot of spectrums. What, what do I know? But that's another thing, right? Isn't it when you when we we measure something or uh, label something like oh he's got Asperger's or he's autistic, you know, like what what are you what does that even mean? Right. Okay. Is it it's it, it's not like being a white guy, right? He's got blue eyes. Oh, yep, he does. I see yeah. his eyes; they're blue. He's autistic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I see the big A in his forehead. No. You don't, there's no, like, how do you, what is it, just a series of characteristics? And then there's a spectrum, right? So what what level is uh, Einstein at? You know, what level is Elon Musk at? What level are you at? Yeah. You know? Well, maybe the answer then is to get really good at one thing. That's what a lot of people, like the Zen, sort of, that's where archery is in, in the art of archery. Mm. You know, you, you learn everything through one thing, through deep, deep practice and deep immersion into one particular discipline because what it requires to be, expert mastery like mastery at something will lead you to a deeper understanding of all things that that would be the sort of zen asian mindset which i've always loved i tend to be interested in a fuckload of things but there is something to be said about josh waiskin's book in the art of learning where he said when he was learned he was a chess master and then he got so into jujitsu he's marcelo garcia's first black belt and he said i when I was studying jujitsu, I was getting better at chess. When I was doing chess, I was getting better at jujitsu. So maybe all of it's related. Well, I'm sure know. it is. But uh, what my point was is that so many people's brains work so differently. Yeah. And I wonder if that's all just a part of the mechanism as well, is that in order for this thing to keep moving, it can't be a bunch of farmers. Can't what just mean, be what do you everybody. Mean the mechanism? Think, I mean, I mean the way humans interact with each other and the innovation that comes out of that, the, mm. the communication that comes out of that, the the change and the influence that comes out of that. Even things as innocuous as a podcast between two dudes that sat down, one of them being a terror survivor yourself, <laughs> maybe maybe smoked a little marijuana <laughs> and terrorist. just rambled for two and a half hours. I heard I heard the explosion and saw the smoke. Yes. See, I think that the all of the experiences that we all have, the good and the bad, they're influential in some sort of a strange way and it all seems to be kind of balancing itself out or at least pushing into a certain direction mm. and that direction seems to be the improvement of the civilization even the like poorly thought out measures like this woman writing this awful article about Matt LeBlanc the idea behind it that she's going to get support is because she's saying that someone is doing something, even though it's not true, someone's doing something bad for society and culture. This person has a voice of influence and they should never work again because society and culture demands that you behave a certain way or we will take away your livelihood. Mm. No more jokes. Well, what, the only way that would work at all. Other than you're just a mean person and you're trying to like take people's jobs away and make people poor, the only way it would work is if you're promoting something of merit for the civilization. So by saying someone is awful and terrible and this is why they should never work again, like you are in some sort of way in, in your lame-minded attempt, you're trying to push culture forward. Yes. And I yes. think that is you're a, trying to solve a problem. Yeah, that's a common thread. Even when we're looking at dealing with international crises, the reason why we're looking at those crises is we don't want them to blow up in our face. We want to push towards a better future. It's dangerous, though, because th th this is where um, principles and understanding and understanding what the goal is, philosophy, is very important. And I'll give you an example. You've got to be very careful of giving people a pass. I'm not saying you are, but of giving people a pass in the notion that they're trying to solve a problem because the means don't justify the ends. You have 
plenty of examples. Uh, I had an acting teacher one time who said, if you're trying to play Hitler, you're trying to play Stalin. As an actor, you can't play him as a monster. You got to play him as a guy who's trying to solve a problem. You know, in Hitler's mind, in his twisted mind, he was trying to solve a problem. That problem was Jews, gypsies, gays, or anybody who wasn't quote unquote Aryan. And he was going to make, at the end of the day, he was going to make the world a better place. And that's where I think and this is where the real work comes in. That's where I think it's so important to be able to articulate for yourself and for others why, why uh, certain things are better, certain ways of living, certain beliefs, certain c- practices, my God, per- cultural practices, certain philosophies politically, for example, are better for the greater good than is this over here. And that's mm. where people like Michael Shermer and Sam Harris are doing great work. That's where those guys sit around and they articulate for us things that we might intuitively feel or they sway us in a better direction when our emotion takes us in a different direction. When our emotion says, let's vote for Trump because he's a guy who at least is quote-unquote getting shit done or he's taking the chessboard and throwing it in the air. And then the more sober thinkers who spend time thinking about this say, hey, Bri, hey, Joe, hey, Steve over there. Um, I know you feel this way. Let me let me steer you over here, and here's why. Yeah. Because we should be actually... It's not just about trying to solve a problem. Let, let, let's, let's get to what we're really trying to get to, and here's why. There's also a lot going on where, like we talked about before, people love to be on a team. They love to associate with uh, a group. We all do. And that's why they're wearing that ugly hat, that red hat with the white letters, keep, yeah. let's make America great again. I mean, that's not... That's a, that's a fuck you to everyone who's looking. It's a red feather. Yeah. It's on your a bright red peacock feather that's yeah. on your head. And you're, you're, it's, you're also like other assholes, fellow assholes. You see them and they honk at you and they're like, make America great again, bro. And they'll pump their fist up. I mean, this is a part of what's going on here. It's not just a bunch of people that are like, look, this system is fucked. The only way it's going to be fixed is if it just the whole thing gets thrown into turmoil. He's our best bet for that. Right. And I would agree. He's our best bet for that. Mm. He just is. As far as like uh, upsetting the tray, and like going, okay, let's see what happens now. Well, let's 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 fix some shit. Obviously, how'd that guy get through? Yeah, <laughs> like he's our best bet for that. But man, it's it's dangerous. It's it's, da- it's it dangerous is. to to also cater to that lowest common denominator. People get burned in revolutions. Revolutions, whether, even no matter how small, the idea that you're going to take everything that sort of settled and was there for a reason that sort of became there's there's an organic set point sometimes to societies and when you come in and somebody just throws everything out with the bathwater it doesn't historically have a good it typically doesn't have a good result i mean maybe it can maybe it can't i mean it's possible they could engineer correctly but the, the the real issue is he doesn't like as a spokesperson he doesn't represent progress no like obama represented substantial progress over bush as far as speaking, as far as his intelligence level, his articulation level, his likability. His, his ina- I would even argue his also his prudence, his inaction. Yeah. His, he was very careful. He, a lot of what will define Obama's presidency, I think, and probably in a favorable light, is, is the fact that he was uh, not willing to take action very often, which is just as important sometimes as taking action. Do you think it's possible he could free Edward Snowden. Do you think he could exonerate him before uh, he leaves office? I'm going to take heat for this, but personally, I hope <gasps> I hope he does pardon him. 
you going to take heat from that? Really? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people consider him a traitor, and I, I think, uh, you know, you hear a lot of this, but I think Edward Snowden did us a, a great service. I think he's a very gutsy guy. He's a very definition he's of a patriot. I agree with he you. He was alerting us of a crime that people that we elected were engaging in, and a lot of people that we didn't elect. That's right. A lot of people that were doing something that's unconstitutional, that's not approved, and that the citizens of the United States do not want. But that's a good example of emotion, right? That's a good example of people that get very emotional at the idea that this guy betrayed right. our intelligence agency, our military, and things like that. So that's what they're saying. Well, so that becomes team, you know? But look, look at it in this perspective. They caught that fucking guy in New York, the, the bomber, within a couple of days. Mm -hmm. Would they have been able to do that if they did not have extensive surveillance methods? That's a good question. And is that worth the influence that these these surveillance methods have on us? Like, if you know that your phone's being watched and that all those dick pictures that you send are all being collected somewhere and then all those crazy texts you send about the government and conspiracies are all being collected somewhere and p potentially could be used against you if you run for office somewhere... So if you decide to run for office and you decide, you know what, you know, I love New York City. It's time New York City had a mayor that, that people understand. I'm going to run for you. I'm, I'm, I know I'm just an actor, but I'm going to. And then all of a sudden they pull you into a room and say, hey, Brian, yeah, <laughs> come over here. We just we'd like to talk to you about yeah. some of the emails that you've sent over the years. I'll, I'll answer that question with two, with two parts. What is this? One. Sorry, there's a new radio lab that's talking yeah. about surveillance. It's yeah. uh, crazy, crazy stories in it. And mm -hmm. they've done good yeah, stuff in that radio guy. lab where they caught where they caught cartel members and stuff. But mm -hmm. I'll answer that in two two ways. One is if, if surveillance is a reality and law enforcement has to have some surveillance, they do great work and they keep us safe. However, their, their history would suggest two things. One is that uh, <laughs> surveillance, if you give the government power over you in that context, it's only going to grow unless you have very strong checks, balances, and transparency. It is only going to grow. And that has been the track record of every government, and that's just how human beings are. They are going to take the power they feel is necessary, and more so if you give it to them. So well, that you was watch uh, Eisenhower leaving office. The, the military-industrial complex. Yeah, that crazy speech that he gave, which was just like, whoa. It was prescient, wasn't it? it was well, really it's prescient. amazing because it was only seen on yes. television that one time. That's right. And then it took until it was made into VHS or DVD or whatever and then leaked online yeah. where people got a glimpse. I mean, most people are not going over former presidential speeches with a fine-tooth comb trying to find nuggets of wisdom, but that one now has made its way into the cultural zeitgeist. Sure and it's has. become this really important... You know, it was a it was a call. It was a call to the people. Yeah, he's saying, "Be careful," because be careful. there's a machine out there that wants to go to war. Well, be careful of this too. The second part to the idea that surveillance and uh, is is you know shouldn't be checked, and Edward Snowden should be is a traitor. Well, well, the 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 fact is is that if the government now has control over what I say, and if the government is listening in without my consent, and I'm a private citizen who doesn't commit crimes, then I'm sorry, but the terrorists have won. They won because they changed the way I think and they changed the way my governor governs me and they have created anonymity and a power structure that can do whatever the fuck they want to its citizenry that is un-American. 
that is anti-constitutional. That is not the country I want to live in. It's not, most importantly, what makes this country great. It is the opposite. It is what Russia does and a lot of other countries. So if you want a weaker country, ironically, it is not to give government agencies, I don't care who they are, I don't care how well-intentioned they are, and a lot of them are well-intentioned, they do great work and they keep us safe. You better have transparency and you have better have checks and balances and you better be following the law and you better have court orders, et cetera, et cetera. I want all those systems in place. I want – it might, and it, you know what? It might be cumbersome. might be a pain in the ass. It might even make us a little less safe sometimes. But I'll take it. I'll fucking take that over giving any government agency – power over my private affairs and letting them listen in specifically. And ultimately, at the end of the day, a big part of the problem is that they're all just people. Like you really can't- Of course they're just people. You really can't have people having that kind of control and power over other people, just as we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, that it starts out about Greenpeace, and then after a while, it becomes about having power. I mean, people love to have a position of influence and power. And they don't and, give it and up. And use it. Yeah. When, and if that is your life, I mean, that is what you do. I'm a cop. I'm a police officer. And I'm the law in this town. Mm-hmm. I mean, pe- we love those movies. Mm-hmm. I'm the law. You know? Like, yeah. That kind of craziness is it's, it's Human intoxicating. Beings. People always say, well, the cops and stuff. Like, look, there are a lot of great, like we said. I mean, we're, we're people. It's people. Yeah, it's Stop just saying. People. Yeah, it's just people, man. So what's the solution? How do you, how do you, I mean. The solution was. Well, the solution, if you if you read the Constitution, you start with the Federalist Papers and read the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. That's the solution. That's what makes our country great. Hey, you're getting aggressive. I know. I get so I'm I'm and I like to like I like to point this out. And that that is they solved the political problem. The, our founding fathers. That that's that's the solution. Yes new challenges. Yes, this is complicated, man. Yes, we do need surveillance. Yes, technology is making it so that they can listen in on all that. But it's, it's also making them transparent. They're getting yes. busted left and right. And yes. people from our generation are slowly starting to get into office. Yeah. And there's there's more of that, too. People who grew up and had the internet when they were younger, yeah. and it, it helped form their, their understanding of the world in a better way. And it also explained to them the nature of transparency like you're seeing this guy who was uh, Hillary Clinton's email deleter they found his account on Reddit and he was asking a couple of years ago how to delete emails Jeez. in mass yeah I mean it's what? a total smoking gun Damn. Yeah. they found it and then he deleted the uh, Reddit post after they found it because he had had a certain Reddit handle, and they could they could bring that Reddit handle, they could connect it back to him. Yeah, that, that, a lot of that I suspect <laughs> is 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 Hillary not wanting people to see that she was talking about how this was an Islamic fundamentalist movement and Benghazi stuff. Like, there's a lot. You know, the the, the Obama administration has this strange edict where you, they don't really mention that it's Islamic terrorism. Mm. They mention that it's extremism. Well, how about Orlando? They literally cut it out of the transcripts, the things that the shooter was saying. They cut mentions to Islam it's and weird. Muslim. Th- you're, you're, it's you're the lying. world we're living. It's yeah. the world we're living. We're, we're, yeah, you're lying. But exactly. That's not, that's not helping anybody. Not helping anybody. The fact of the matter is these people are Islamic uh, right. fundamentalists. And they, you're just going to make things worse if you don't acknowledge that fact. You're just going to deny people information. They're going to think there's some sort of conspiracy. They're going to get angry. They're going to feel like they're not being represented properly. They're going to think these liberal pussies are fucking ruining our great country, and it's going to build up Donald Trump. That's where a guy like Donald Trump comes from. You're the right. over The oversensitivity of the left 
is what's created Donald Trump. The acceptance of Caitlyn Jenner created Donald Trump. <laughs> So <laughs> Caitlyn Jenner is the problem. If you, you got to go back to Caitlyn Jenner, you got to go back to Bruce Jenner first, right? And you that nose job, that tiny, that tiny little nose he got. Well, how about the jaw? He got his jaw shaved down. He was such a good-looking man. Turned his face into rubber. Yeah. Now his face doesn't move. He can't talk right. It's crazy. And we're supposed to ignore the fact that he irresponsibly plowed into a woman and pushed her into fucking traffic, and yeah. killed her. Was he on his phone? He was not paying attention. Mm. And he he rear-ended with a truck, a giant Escalade that was pulling a boat. So he had all this weight, right? He slams in this woman's car, pushes her into traffic, Jesus. and she gets hit by an oncoming Jesus. car. And, you know, we're supposed to be like, listen, diversity is what's important here, not a woman's life. What's important here well, is that he has the right anymore, to express right? himself. Exactly. Everybody so just quickly. drops it. Everybody drops it and exonerates him. I'm not saying she should be punished forever for being careless, but I'm saying that's a significant indicator of someone having a fucked up personality that all you want to do in these these talks you're talking about gender and yourself you fucking killed somebody in traffic man you should you should be talking about that life-changing moment all yeah. the time and i yeah. say man you know like dude like dude. you could say hey guy yeah. you can't say that to a girl can you she killed someone fucking goddamn it i'm tired of doing that I'm tired of this he she switcheroo. Well, I have a You got I, one for life, you fuck. Wait, what about Pick. Can I ask you a question? When you're 30, you have to make a choice. Right. <laughs> you hey, could just like What are you mini Putin? You could be whatever the fuck you want up until 30. Once you hit 30, you got to shit or get off the pot. Who are you? Can I what is is dwarf Midgets, um, tiny people. Is it's midget and dwarf both of those are bad words? I can't you say dwarf no, anymore. No, you're not supposed Snow to say White midget. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Midget, you can't say. Dwarfism is an actual disease. So I can, can say call dwarf. A dwarf. I think they all prefer little people. You know, again, we have too many fucking labels. There's too many but labels. Dwarf is a too funnier word. If I'm writing it. a joke. Don't do it. Don't do dwarf jokes. No, you're too I don't. Handsome and tall, and you're gifted, like, and you have white privilege. I don't want to make fun of anybody who's anybody. I don't. I, I never of course got you off do. on that. It's but. important to make fun of people. They need to know they're ridiculous, but only if it's like their behavior. Yes. You know, it's not, not their like, genetics, especially not dwarfism. That's a motherfucker. Yeah. You know, I'm only like a foot away from dwarfism. There's several people that are a foot taller than me. I'm five eight. So right. six foot eight, a lot of people out there. Yeah. If I was a foot shorter, yeah, I'm a dwarf. I walk around with Brennan Schaub. Yeah, you feel like a dwarf, right? No, like I feel like an old guy. And you know, it hurts my feelings because women look at him and I could be a cup of coffee a lot of times. A cup of coffee is yeah. nice. I may as well be a spore. I like a cup of coffee. I'm like a mushroom he's holding. I'm like a potted plant he's holding as he's walking down. They could give a fuck about the potted plant. Tate Fletcher I used to be kind of cute. Says a cup of, let it go. Tate Fletcher right. says a cup of coffee is like Shit. a warm hug. You're going to let it go. Look, there's a lot of people that never got to be handsome. God you were handsome right. for a long time. I sure Look. was. I'm still kind of all right. You're all right. I mean, all right. Look at my listen, eyes. you're funny. You're a funny guy. I You've got, got a, a great mind. You're, Sense of humor. Yeah, you're really fun to hang out. I like going camping with you. Uh, we got to do another hunting trip, dude. We did last when? one. Last one was boring. I haven't shot my bow yet. You. It wasn't boring. I had a great time, but not as good. Come on, man. You got to bring me along. I got to bring you. But you got to learn how to shoot a bow and arrow, or we have to go use rifles. I will. We'll go use rifles. How about this? How about next hunting trip? I'll go with you, and I won't even shoot anything because the last couple of them. You've been unsuccessful. I'll go and just be your backup. Listen, man, listen. We, we Carry your ammunition. You, I'll be your, I'll porter, be your uh, porter. porter. I'll be your porter. I would like to, oh, hold, a, I like to hold a uh, umbrella <gasps> for the entire show. Even better. Like P. Diddy's assistant. More water, please. That would be a fun. That would yes. be a fun show. Be fantastic. My my boy can uh, cook us, make us some tea. That would we'll be have a some fun tea show. and biscuits. It's four o'clock in the afternoon. And it would be fair because I shot that turkey and then you got nothing. Yeah. You know? And yeah. we before that we got skunked on that island. Outrageous. So soaking wet for six days. Hey Ranella, let's go. We need another uh, hunting trip.
I love doing them. Let's do it. All right. I'm bringing on James Kingston now. We're going to do another podcast in a couple minutes. Are you going to stick around for a few minutes? Talk gotta, to this da- guy? Daddy's got to run. Daddy's got to go. James Kingston, who's the guy who's crazy, who gets on top of buildings with GoPros and shit and yeah. makes you shit your pants. He's on his way. Come Brian see Callen, me. you're Come fucking, see me at the Come You're a force Quinn. of nature. Yes. You're an American I'm, tradition. I'm an American comedian. Ottawa, <laughs> Ottawa, Algonquin, September 30th. One of God's gifts. Go see him. Yes. Goddamn hilarious. Love you.